The Dode Fox Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Dode Fox Podcast. I'm Paul, he's Ronnie, and I still can't believe he thought we were half decent in the first half last week. Hopefully he spent his Saturday afternoon getting his ass tested. Join the conversation on our socials. We are at Dode Fox Podcast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Coming up on this week's episode, International Arabs, Hibs Preview, possible post-split fixtures, Lord Report, Women's Team, Lottery, Walking Football, Games or Goals, On This Day We Arab Archive, and Charlie Telfer as a special guest. And how do you fancy a live show announcement? It's all coming up on episode 140 of the Dude Fox Podcast. This is Stumcom Steve Austin, and you're listening to the Dude Fox Podcast. So welcome back to the award-winning Dude Fox podcast with the hobby-crafting Paul McNichol and the eyes working perfectly fine, Ronnie Costello. So, how was uh, hobby-craft yesterday? I, th- I think you know fine well how hobby-craft was Good. yesterday, Ronnie. And I, and I can't believe that people fell for that. It was possibly the hottest day of the year. And uh, the piss-poor Photoshop that you've put up, <laughs> I'm wearing a jacket and a woolly hat. Like... Like I, anybody, anybody would do that yesterday. So uh, no, that I've still not been a hobby craft this year. <laughs> people, it's not happening, Rondo. It's people, never happening. People were even calling you for wearing your uh, beanie on a day like I yesterday. I was, uh, I was getting hobby craft shamed. So I was, I was uh, bang out order. <laughs> <laughs> Did you recognise that face apart from the mirror? Can where else that photo has been? I'm pretty sure that was on your t-shirt, was it not? Correct. Uh, where was that originally taken? Uh, that's a good question. That's no idea. Outside Tyne Castle when you were looking for the young team. Uh, when they were looking for me, uh, uh, they couldn't find us. <laughs> I'm too fleet foot. <laughs> so, so what did you go up to yesterday, given nay football, as we always say on this show, Saturday's week football are a bit of shite. Well, I mean, there was plenty of football for me yesterday. Uh, there was, <laughs> contrary to what you were putting in group chats, there was no cones getting laid out by my good self. Oh, did you pick them up? But, uh, oh, that's nice. No, I didn't pick them up either. But uh, oh, yeah, uh, corner flag. Oh yeah. There, there was no, there was there was absolutely none. Squeeze norm just. What were you doing? Go on. No, <laughs> if you would let us tell you. <laughs> now woke up, woke up to the terrible news of uh, like Foo Fighters drummer passing away. Man, that was that was a hell of a shock to wake up to. But I was. I was heading down to Carnoustie anyway to see the under-16 lasses uh, playing in, uh, I think it was the Scottish Cup they were playing in. It didn't win. Uh, but the referee, he actually he had a good game. I'm going to say that. And uh, he's a United fan and he's a podcast listener. Uh, the referee, Philip Prophet. Uh, so he didn't hear how it's possibly the best referee in performance I've seen that season. He was a bit sheepish coming out of me at the end thinking, oh, he's going to criticise me or tear a strip off me but no no well, well, well now well. you were shite move on he was ah, I can't believe you booked up there we lost it and then in the afternoon after that game I headed along the North End Park we what looked like half of the United following that were there as well looked uh, and they were they were playing East Craigie in some cup as well and I think I saw a goal of the season yesterday on some East Craigie striker I think it used to be on the books of Dundee he, had, he struck an absolute rocket for about 30 yards right in the postage stamp Goal of the season. Never seen anything like it this year. Used to be a Dundee, so a rocket fair rocket. How are you saying? A rocket fair rocket, yes. <laughs> so uh, what did you go up to yesterday? Uh, nothing, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Peep, you know, get the papers checked. They're near. 
absolutely perfect. Are you sure? <laughs> I've, not, I've not seen anybody agree with you. Even Tom Court slid in at my DMs and went, that boy Costello was talking shit. We were terrible last week in the first half. <laughs> nah, I never, um, I never really done much, to be fair. It was, uh, it's an unrock and roll life that I lead now. Come on, I mean, like working Friday night, working Saturday night, need to go for disco naps before that. And so, no, no, very much. Um, I mean, I'll just tell you, it was taps off weather, and I choose, I chose to wear a light fleece when I went out with oh, yesterday. That, I so mean, that's it was borderline um, uh, ridiculous. It was Betty Swallax walking around the camp yesterday. It was, it was not. It was, it was a toasting. So, that was that. Uh, so, no much happened. Uh, I'm trying to th- I'm trying to tell you I watched a film, but I didn't. And then the the day after we do this, uh, I have got the rock and roll task of getting to pressure wash my decking. That's oh wow! I mean, then I queue up to help us or be jealous, no, but that's no, what's happening. I, 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 I'm so, pretty sure nobody will be queuing up. No, no. And again, I did say to you beforehand. I was lucky this podcast happened today due to the shock I'm in for what I was cheers mm. for four donuts the day. Uh, so that's, um, it's been a roller coaster of emotions already and it's only gone one o'clock. And yeah. were all four donuts for yourself? I, I, no, they weren't, but you tell me they were bang <laughs> average, so I'm not sure what to expect today. So, um, and happy Mother's Day to all mothers listening right. to the podcast. Um, <laughs> now, I've got a note here to remind myself, right? And I meant to mention this a couple of weeks ago. Now, I'm not going to name and shame because we're known to that, right? But we've got a listener to the podcast who listens every week. And, I think uh, we had. I think we had. <laughs> <laughs> and informs me through a third party that uh, thinks you've got a sexy voice. Me? Yeah. Yes. I was. Jesus see that Christ. shock you put on? I was as shocked. <laughs> I think so. I think I'll hit. I mean, it's Mother's Day. I'll hit a doubly thank my mum for. For sliding into your DMs and telling you that. That's class. Thank you very much, yeah. So you've got a sexy voice. Excellent. No no ore and uncouth. Sexy. Sexy. I'll take that. I'll take sexy. that. I mean, it's the same voice that dishes out drivel every week. Correct. Anyway, Correct. It's, uh, I am a numpty. <laughs> yeah, that was class. That was class when that was pointed out. The wee review on that. Was it Apple Podcast that was on? Yeah. Yeah, because it was something that you used to say a while back, missed episodes, like if you could give a review or a rating, it would help. And then, well, that ain't maybe doesn't help that much. But uh, yeah, the boy was just honest. It's not for him. And that's, that's all good. 300 I mean, five star reviews, two one stars, <laughs> class. Uh, I can. <laughs> but then, but we, we didn't highlight the good ones because that's no funny. No. Let's throw ourselves under the bus. Couple if, of numpties. If you would like to leave us a five star review on Apple Podcast, much appreciate. I think you can review now on Spotify. Do that as well. Right, let's get into it. Got a busy one. Charlie Telfer's our guest. Uh, so before we even get to that, we've got loads to cover. Uh, let's start with the International Arabs this week. Um, Dylan Levitt sat on the bench for the entire 90 minutes on Thursday. Ross Graham sat on the bench for the under-21s on Friday. But Emi Niskanen did start for Finland yesterday. He got an assist. He played for 70 minutes. Uh, but Carl Johan Eriksson also got splinters on his ears. He also sat on the bench for the entire 90 minutes. Just a wee holiday for these boys, was it? It must have been. I'm talking about holidays, eh? Uh, have you noticed uh, there's a, there's obviously United Listen, they're perfectly entitled to go wide just now because we're trying Definitely to get back to recharge. But recharge. a lot of them seem to be in the same place. I mean, is there keys going on a bowl that we didn't care about in that dressing room? 
I've no idea. I think I know what's going on myself, but I'm I'm just looking on at these Instagram stories. I feel jealous. Like Tony Watt and Benji, they were in Rome. Liam Smith as well. Uh, Liam Smith's in Rome. Uh, maybe they got a deal. Maybe they got a cheap deal. I think they did. Who knows? Who knows? Who maybe, on, maybe who on Ryanair? Back on easy maybe jet. Mr. Asgard's got connections with travel agents. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? And somebody was in Amsterdam, I believe. Butch and Sporlar in Amsterdam. So, yeah, they're in Amsterdam. And uh, where's the sheep? The sheep. Well, I was just I was just getting to that. Uh, Kieran Freeman. He he's took himself up to up to a farm somewhere, and uh, he's he's helping lambs to be born. Like he's he said, the business end of that transaction. So fair play on. Fair play. What a man, eh? What a uh, man. Decent right back. Decent lammer, if that's the word. <laughs> and then I can. And then I can. What a man, though. I mean, it could be. Who knows? Uh, best luck to the international Arabs, though. Uh, they've still got some games. Obviously, Wales are still to play under 21s. We've got a game Finland as well. It's all double headers. So hopefully, um, Dylan Levitt, whose Wales team have now qualified. So mm. we now play. Well, do we play them if well, we beat Ukraine? We've yeah, they, we play them if if we get through the Ukraine game. Yeah, mm. I didn't I didn't see any of the game, uh, but from what I'm, from what I've read on social media, which obviously it could be a big pile of a key, but boys are fancying our chances. Mm. Nice if we if we get through yeah. Ukraine, but uh, I will we'll have to wait and see. T- talking about Wales, by the way, as Dylan Levitt's old man, no, just got up the road on strings on social media. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, and all to do with a hat, all to do with a baseball cap with three little letters. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 the summer. We're coming into the summer. It's, a, it's spring these days, but we're coming into the summer. The sun's out. You've you've got to protect your eyes, Ron. And if that's the only hat he's got in his wardrobe, I don't have an issue with him with it. I don't see what the problem is. Unbelievable. On absolute strings, I tell you. Oh, it's funny. Oh, it's funny. But good luck to the international Arabs. Hopefully, do see a bit more action uh, this coming week. Obviously, at the end of this week, uh, it's back to league business. Uh, we're off to Easter Road and going by uh, numerous posts I've seen on social media. Tickets seem to be selling very well uh, through at the Spoon Burners. Um, they're not in the best form. Uh, in 2022, they've played 11, they've won one, drew three, uh, drew five, lost five, eight points out of 33. I'm not counting the Scottish Cup uh, because they're, they're doing better than we are in it, so that can that can disappear. So, 11 games, one win, five draws, five defeats, not the best. But again, we've been on this roller coaster with yep. them, uh, with Aberdeen, with a couple other teams that's been quite up and down. Uh, but Easter Road this season, we've done pretty well, didn't we? Well, probably our best performance. Uh, one would argue it's um, it's another game I'm looking forward to. Like uh, they are in good form. They've obviously suffered a lot for their star man Martin Boyle. Wow, like he's like the roadrunner, is he? Meet me and he's away. Uh, I didn't think he was the greatest player, but they've their forums nosedived after that. They're obviously missing the colossus at the back that kind of went an appeal. Never wind a tackle. Uh, so. Ah, it'll be interesting. It'll Listen, be interesting. We mentioned this last week, the tackle, right? And I had seen it a few times, and you were like, oh, you near cleared the Richard Donald stand when he hit the boy and whatever. And when I watched him back about a fourth or fifth time, like, he can see his eyes are on the bat eye once. There's a boy with 12 legs in front of him. Like, uh, he absolutely uh, smashes him. Now, listen, yeah. Ross McCroyd, something deserves to be smashed. But anyway, like, and how you appeal, and the best thing about it, and we didn't, I, I definitely done a uh, stick up for the SPFL or the SFA or whatever it is, and they just went, see for wasting your time, lad. 
here's another band, take four yeah. games and piss off. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of that because like, <laughs> I don't, I can't believe for the, the life of me that somebody looked at that that wasn't a blinker, like didn't have Hibs glasses on and thought, he might get off with that. Nah, no danger he was getting off with that. What's getting what? <laughs> he's absolutely volleyed the boy. And it, as you say, it doesn't matter if he's if he's looking at the bar, like he was never going to get the bar. It was reckless at best and absolute buffoonery at worst. But anyway, we'll not see him next week because he'll be sitting in the stand. So hopefully he'll hear all the songs that are coming through the United end. Yeah, indeed. Um, I know you've had your fallouts this season. How was getting tickets this time round? It was fine. It was nice and easy. Uh, just, it was a case of phoning up. So uh, there was no issue yet. No issue whatsoever. So it's fair play at the Hibbies. But I think there was maybe... From what I saw, anyway, online, it was a nightmare trying to get tickets. There was a lot of boys having issues with uh, the online purchasing, but because I, I was needing uh, specific tickets, I had to phone up, so it, it was easy enough for me, thankfully. And do you can am I an Erso and end up in the home support this this time round? Or no, okay. I don't think so. I don't know. Well, I've, I've not showed up at the turnstile yet. I've probably get redirected. <laughs> Uh, our 13 tickets to another stand oh no what have I done imagine so, Martin, no I don't think so imagine Martin turned up and his ticket was for Tynecastle. that would be that would be class that would be tremendous that. that would be tremendous um, tickets are still on sale I think they've opened another section as of I think mm. it was last night I've seen it posted um, but amazingly you know it's uh it's one of these games that I mean the, the website says it's third v fourth. I don't think it is, lads. Uh, but it's it's going to be a tough game anyway. But if we can recreate half of what we produced the Easter Road the last time, I think we'll do all right. We'll win one and a half now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that right now. Yeah, I mean you, you would, you would. The, the problem is, and this is something we spoke about as well about, about United that any team on a bad run that needs to turn at some point should turn at some point and they'll get a result you would have to think and I think we did again mention this last week that one mere win would be a, should be enough to see top six yeah that's yeah especially if it's on Saturday definitely because uh, the teams around us have they're, they're all playing each other as well so yeah that's I've no doubt that's the that's the aim the three points on Saturday and it's completely achievable as well uh, and if, if we play the way that we did and half the game <laughs> through at St Mirren then it's, uh, it's it's more than possible a happening if we play like we did in the first half maybe a struggle it's all right. even it's fine um, no it wasn't really it wasn't really I don't think that'll get the job done through Easter Road uh, obviously next week it's it's the best week of the season because then the two arse cheeks are playing each other so you don't need to think about them and that's the best way to be but you did mention uh, teams around are playing each other uh, Dundee are playing Aberdeen uh, Motherwell are playing St Mirren Ross County are playing Hearts and St Johnston are playing Livingston. Now, obviously Motherwell, St Mirren's very interesting. Ross County, Hearts is pretty interesting. And, well, there's two teams absolutely fighting for their lives at the bottom. So for them, there's kind of added there. I mean, there's no such thing as perfect results as it goes for overall, but I'll tap four draws there. <laughs> and I win Easter Road. Yeah. Yeah, or or hearts to win. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't believe I'm saying that. But well, no, no, you've said that, it before, eh? They're not going to get caught. No. I mean, it's a strange, to, to me, it's a strange situation in a way for thinking of it uh, through hearts' minds. Like their season's still on the go because they're in the cup. Mm. If they weren't in the cup, 
to me, their season's kind of done. Like they've qualified for Europe. Mm-hmm. They're not going to get second. They would hate to hear the arse collapse of all arse collapses to get anything less than third. So they're just kind of in this wee comfort zone just now, uh, in my opinion. But hopefully that their players are still playing for cup semi-final places and they could see off Ross County. That would help us. Uh, they're 20 points away for Rangers and they're 14 points ahead of us. Ah, so it's it's a big, I mean, that's the, five wins. They are no getting. Whatever the prize money is for third, just give them it. <laughs> Because that's where they're going to finish. I don't care how many games are left. That's where they will finish. They will be third. Um, Hibs, fifth place, 37. Livingston, 37 and sixth. And then bottom six, as it is at the moment. Ross County, uh, Motherwell and St. Mern all on 36. Aberdeen, 35. And then you've got St. Johnston, 27. And Dundee, 23. Uh, how do we look at this? Uh, we gonna laugh at. Stop laughing, no, no, right? Sorry, that was. I just like the number twenty-three. St- stop laughing. N- next, you'll be saying they're never moving to that stadium now. Just stop it, right? <laughs> stop it. Um, I had a look at the post split fixtures. So, based on the games uh, so far this season, and basically what we're looking at, what would be due. Now, I can either tell you these, or you can guess if we're going to be home or away. Based on your knowledge of the season, what way do you want to play this game? Well, I think when we get to the split, it's it's obviously an odd number, and I think that we'll have played one more away game by that point. So we should have more home games than away games after the split. But it is the SPFL, okay? So we'll see. So I've just I've just done the teams, and then we'll focus on the top six. That's where we are. So given what we've played so far, we should play. Aberdeen at home, we mm-hmm. should play Celtic at home, we'd mm-hmm. be away to Dundee, we'd be away to Hearts, we'd be at home to Hibs and Livy, we'd be away to Motherwell, we'd be away to the Rangers, away to Ross County, and home to St Johnston and St Mern. So if the top six stayed as it was, Celtic, Rangers, Hearts, us, Hibs and Livy, we would have three home games and two aways. I've seen this before and it doesn't always pan out to that, but Celtic and Hibs and Livy would be the home games, Hearts and the Rangers would be the away games. But again, I'm pretty sure when we've divvied up before, it's no happened and we ended up going to, we ended up going to Parkhead three times or something, I can't mind what it was, but we ended up yeah, going someplace three times. might happen again, it might happen again. You'll, you'll, you'll notice that uh, Celtic and the Rangers always get their two home games against each other. But I'm not, all joking aside, I'm not sure how it gets divvied up. And I know that there is a formula for it. And I think it's where you finished the last few seasons before it or something. And I, I, don't, I don't really can. I don't really understand it. I'm a, imagine uh, just following it and just doing it fair, if you could. But, you know, somebody always has to get a bit of favouritism on the West. Mm, you know, so that mm. that's how it would be. I, I think, I think mean, I say we've pretty much just had two games the last few years. Or the last few we were in the, that league because we only got two last year, didn't we? Young Erks come on against Motherwell and then my Erks collapsed. Yeah, two all game. Uh, I honestly can't remember, Rondo. So I can't remember. That's what apparently it's going to be. So we'll see. <coughs> um, did mention that uh, the Hibs tickets are on sale, Derby tickets are on sale as well. And selling well in the, in the home end, certainly. Selling very well in the, the home end. I think end. they've shifted, what, 23 tickets? Or am I getting the points and maybe it was 223 I can't imagine maybe, um, maybe. But you can purchase the tickets online details for the Hibs and the uh, Dundee games are online at uh, dundeeunitedfc.co.uk 
because that's the last two games remaining before the split. And it might prove to be the last derby action of the season. Still plenty to play for. Say, big six points still up for grabs over the next couple of games before we face our neighbours at Tannadice and what could be the last time. Maybe for a wee while, who knows? Maybe for um, um, we might never go to Dens again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're laughing. But, I mean, plans are in place. Uh-huh. There's a slip road off the Kingsway. I've seen it. It's in a picture. <laughs> I've seen it. Somebody drew it. So, it might happen. And it might know. It might not happen either, but it might happen. Okay? Right, lads. I've sent in this letter to the club. 1,500 who have signed it because we're fucking raging. I can't wait to hear back from them. Thanks very much for your letter. Here's a new stadium that'll probably never happen, lads. Crack on. <laughs> and then, they just a day later, just stick out a statement saying, ah, well, it was shite. We're better now, so we can I just move on? Mm. We've seen this movie before, lads. We've seen it before. Right. Uh, Community Trust uh, and the walking football team details still to come. Uh, but before all that, I'm led to believe we have a fine update of boys sitting on the rails, no doing very much. I know much action in the loan report this week. It's very true. It's very true. It's a, it's a shitey wee loan report this week. So we've got Mark Conley at Dundalk. Nay game for Big Conley this week as it was the international break and he was he wasn't fortunate enough to be selected for the Irish team, Rondo. So he was uh, sat him playing with the Burns probably. Trevor Carson at Morecambe. Happy to report that Trevor and his Morecambe teammates have finally gotten through a Saturday afternoon without losing a football match. But yep, you guessed it. Didn't hear a game either. Declan Glass at Kilmarnock. Deco was an unused sub last week and back on the bench this week. Deco did get on for the last 10 minutes this time around, however, as his Kilmarnock side beat Ian McCall's Partick side 2-1 on the day to go four points clear at the top of the league. I still can't bring myself to root for Kelly Rondo. I can't do it. I can't, but I can laugh at Partick. Oh, definitely. Definitely. They've what they lost about 17 in a row now. Uh, it's big cup finals, lads. Big cup finals. Brilliant. Brilliant. Logan Chalmers at Inverness After being the goal scoring and game winning hero last week against a team for Fife, Logan would have been hoping that the opportunity to be that guy again was going to come his way when Dunfermline headed to the Highlands. He wasn't to replicate his marvellous contribution of last week, but his performance did get him back in the starting lineup this past Saturday. Logan played 67 minutes of the match and Inverness have continued their recent run of good form to run out 2-0 winners on the day. Flynn Duffy at Peterhead. For the first time in his Peterhead career, Flynn had, make, had to make do with 90 minutes sat on the bench last week as his side lost to Alloa. This week, bizarrely, it was the same again. Another 90 minutes is an unused sub, but this week his team managed to beat Falkirk 1-0. Kai Fotheringham at Cove Rangers. Hasn't played for a few weeks and it was no different on Saturday. Kai was once again an unused sub as his Cove side had to rely on a 93rd minute equaliser from Fraser Fivey, which was a screamer by the way, Rondo. I don't care if you've seen it. Uh, as they maintained their grip at the top of the league. As for Kai, he can't be getting much from this loan spell. An unfortunate waste of time for the lad. Dan Watson at East Fife. No game for Dan Watson for the fourth week on the bounce, but I'm led to believe that he has broken a foot, so that'll be the reason for that. Once again, the regular updates from the club about players is absolutely top-notch. Adam Hutchison at Dumbarton. Adam hasn't made the matchday squad on Saturday, as his side have drawn 0-0 with Montrose. 
Sean Dillon, booked again. Leighton Bisland at Brechin City. Leighton has had to make do with a spot on the bench to start his side's game against fellow title chasers Brora Rangers. His team were st- sitting comfortably 2-0 up by the time that he got in the park in the 83rd minute and they went on to win their eighth game on the bounce despite Brora scoring a last-minute penalty. Jack Newman and Reese Caves at Spartans. In the Lowland League Cup last week, the Spartans were held to a one-all draw at home to civil service strollers. Both lads played the full match in that one. This week, it was Boness that were the visitors to Ainsley Park, and both Jack and Reese started this match. Jack played the full 90 minutes, whereas Reese got 75 before being withdrawn. It was to be a tough afternoon for the pair, however, as Boness would run out 3-1 winners on the day. Sean Brown is still injured, so there's no update on his Cumbernauld Colts. Rory Adams at Lothian Thistle Hutchie Vale. A Friday night kickoff in the East of Scotland League Cup brought Preston Athletic to Ainsley Park, and right from the off, it was clear they were up for the match. Taking advantage of their fast forwards, Preston used the long ball to get behind the Hutchie defence, and it was after one of these moves, Rory got a strong hand on a shot from one of the strikers who had broken through to keep the ball out. Preston continued to pressure on the Hutchie goal, forcing Rury to make a number of saves, as well as being quick out the area to head the ball clear. Despite being in the ascendancy, Preston were unable to take advantage and the first half ended nil-nil. Hutchie clearly had a talking to at halftime and forced an early corner at the start of the second half. This was swung into the box and after a bit of head tennis, the ball was bundled into the Preston net. 1-0 Hutchie. Preston struggled to get control of the ball and bar one long-range shot, didn't really trouble Rudy's goal at all. As the match drew to a close, the frustration was obvious and a number of cheap cards were dished out, culminating in a red for one of the Preston players after the final whistle. Nonetheless, a competitive game for Rury and it must have been pleasing for him to keep a clean sheet. The academy team. This past midweek, the under-18s faced the Rangers through in Glasgow and came a cropper against the top of the table side. The Rangers pretty much dominated the match from start to finish and only an outstanding game from the United goalie, Jamie McCabe, kept the scoreline respectable-ish. We were pumped 3-0 on the day, and it's one that we will never speak of again. The women's team. The ladies headed for Kilmarnock last week, knowing that a win would seal the title for them. Well, before the match kicked off, results elsewhere were good enough for them, and before a ball was kicked at Rugby Park, the team were champions. There was still a match to be played, however, and there was no let-up from the ladies. Podcast pal Tammy Harkin put the team into the lead in the first minute, and from there, they never looked back. Tammy would add a second in the 30th minute and that meant heading in at half at half time 2-0 to the good. The champagne was still on ice though as they were still 45 minutes to go. Podcast pal Danny McGinley would get her customary goal in the 66th minute for 24th of the season and just 10 minutes later Tammy rounded off her hat-trick to make the day extra special for her. The team had won the league, she had scored a hat-trick, been named player of the match and become the club's all-time leading goal scorer. What a day. After no doubt going on the piss for a few days, the ladies are back through on the West Coast today. As we record this, they will be playing Glasgow women. Although the title is won, you'd have to think that they'll now be hoping to go through the league campaign unbeaten. Rondo, how are they getting on the day? It's uh, into the second half. There's about 65 minutes played. It's currently Glasgow nil, Dundee United three. Yes. Doddle. That's your lot. That's your lot indeed. Uh, Tammy Harkin scored, Robin Smith scored, and Rachel Todd 
on the score sheet so far. Superb, as always. Indeed. Uh, walking football then, and a squad of seven header off for the first round of the East Scotland 60 and over league at the World of Football in Edinburgh on the 23rd of March. New ro- rules were in force for this competition, with no contact being the main change. This was to help reduce injuries for the older players in the team. There were three games, and the first was a game against a team that never played before. It was Dunbar. Things didn't start that well. The first <laughs> shot on goal was fumbled by the keeper, Steve Ross, and rolled into the net. What seemed to us to be a good goal was ruled out by the ref and the game turned and we eventually got pumped 4-0 ref man <laughs> dodgy keeper and then and dodgy refs and dodgy refs uh, we bounced back with a 2-0 win versus Dunfermline Dynamos and a 3-2 win versus Fife Wanderers all the goals scored by John McDonald and Mark Cabrelli uh, these results put us in 5th place after the first round and sets us up with confidence for the next round in late April in the meantime the team are competing in the Glasgow Cup 2022 for the 60 and over competition on the 8th of April at Tory Glen. As always, they're always looking for new players for the DUCT sessions and or League and Cup competitions. Now, this is where we got confused the other week. If you want to play in a competition, you have to be 50 and over and 60 for some tournaments. But if you just want a kickabout, you can be any age you want. Uh, they're always looking for new players. Sunday mornings at Lockie Harp, Half past nine to eleven, and a Wednesday night indoors at Minas Hill, eight till nine. Contact Paul Wilson at duc duct. That's Paul Wilson at dundeeunitedct.co.uk, or you can email email Stevie as well for more info. Steve Ross nineteen fifty eight at yahoo.co.uk. All the best of luck to the team when the competition comes back in a few weeks. Uh, Tales from Tarndyce Street is in its final print run uh, from the Supporters Foundation. You can go to dusf.scot forward slash nutmeg to order yours. And you can also get all the details about joining up with hundreds of fellow Arabs by going to dusf.scot forward slash pledge. And you can be united and join the foundation. The United Futures Lottery jackpot. Still, Still not being won. £2,000. Come on. £2,000 this coming Friday. Uh, you can get all the details by signing up. It's only a pound a week as well. UnitedLottery.co.uk. Remember, all the proceeds go to support our academy. And of course, the Elite 50-50 match day draw will be back in a couple of weeks' time uh, when we face Dundee at Tanadice. Games Goals is back. There are four points in it. Paul's on 69. Stop laughing. I've got 65. Nadie's got 23. Five points up for grabs. You just need to match the five players to the amount of games they played or the goals they scored. For every one you get correct, you get a point. The only resource allowed is the Arab Archive. Now, we go on um, most weeks about Richie Rockefeller is going to be ready with the um, with the GIF. Well, he's now taken that GIF to Facebook. So when we update on Facebook, he also posts the GIF and explained it the other day about um, about what it actually meant. Which I thought, yeah, because we kind of do alienate like that and just, just go on the old Twitter. We're at Dode Fox Podcast, by the way, across our whole social uh, media. If you want to f- give us a follow, if you're not already. Tends to be a lot of the same posts on them all, but there's a lot more conversation over on Twitter. And uh, yeah, join it. 
It wasn't even padding for time there. I didn't got any players in front of us. That's but all right. 69 all right. plays 65. You're asking the yep. question. So I can either be still four points away or I could be one point ahead of you, depending on how this goes. I'm, I'm rooting for you, Rondo. I'm rooting for you. You're a lion bastard, but anyway. Not at all. Not at all. I don't know. I'm no competitive when it comes to this nonsense. Do I want to beat Hibs next Saturday? You better believe it. Very competitive. When it comes to games or goals, no big deal. Listen to you. No big nonsense. deal. Right, you got a pen, you got hit, a book paper. Hit me. <clears throat> Craig Kern. Oh, you're taking the piss out of me. No, it's, it's a list of decent players, yeah. All right, yeah. Right. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, let's all be the judge of the decent <laughs> players. Now, when do they start? Because they've no started yet. Well, Craig well, Curran. Ne- Next. Right. Farid El uh, Alagi. <laughs> uh, right, so decent players. When, when's next? Decent players. Geese Steinman. Don't even know the man. Come on, of course you do. Yeah, Freddie, tell you about him. <laughs> he did. Love the bevy on New Year. <laughs> Incredible stuff. Next one. Next name. Yep. John Souter. Yeah, that's okay, that. Good player. Yeah, yeah. Listen, for other shite with because he plays for Hearts and whatever went on, good player. And last and absolutely not least, Scott Crabb. Oh. Right, numbers. One. Oh, yes. Two. Ah, oh, you're having a <laughs> 71. Yep. 16. Yep. And 15. Oh, I mean... I actually put a wee bit of thought into this this week. Because normally I, I, I do it about five, five minutes before we, we hit record. But uh, I thought, no, no, I'll... I'll Rondo's choking to get the lead because let's be honest, you've no held the lead in this game. <laughs> for been ahead yet? No, maybe, maybe never. Uh, but like, I cannot. You know, your your donuts will taste all the sweeter if you get five today. They will be the best. You'll not care how much you spent on the donuts. They'll just taste like God made them. So, Geese Steinman, you still got your Geese Steinman tap? Good struggling here, like. Right. Well, what you think in a perfect is well, a decent list of quality players. It's a shit list of players, <laughs> uh, overall. Um, <laughs> fucking, uh, I, I mind when we signed the boy Farid El Alagi, like we had shifty and nothing at that time. That didn't make any sense. Didn't make any sense, but hey-ho. Can't, I mean, he scored about 20-odd goals, so he'd he done very well for one. I think that bunch of suitors probably played the most games, I think. But... Scott Crab, I remember him. Terrible luck with leg breaks on hand, didn't he? Yep. Didn't have. He, he broke his leg in the Motherwell game when Davy Neri strolled it. Brian Welsh curled the band the top corner and we walked onto that park wearing the best strip football has ever seen. That can't be right. I've actually just seen sweat drip off Ronnie's brow. Uh, it's the price of the donuts. He's, he's, he's starting this serious, and I don't think he's on hit David donuts. I think he's it's, it's the Steinman sweats he's got now. He's got the Steinman sweats. Are you hitting me with some numbers, Mister? Uh, I think I've made an air swap, but I'm going to commit 
You got four lines pointing at one number. Nah, <laughs> no, no, that kind of arse. Nah. <laughs> right, Mon, then. What you got? Craig Kern. Yes. 16. Yes. Farid El Alagi, 15. Uh huh. Geese Steinman, 1. Mm hmm. I've got John Suter with 71 and Scott Crabb with 2, which marks him a really shite striker if that's a case. <laughs> he was very unlucky. Two, two might be the leg breaks. Right. Decent numbers you've given me there. Some decent numbers. Some maybe not so decent. But here goes. Mm. Craig Kern scored three goals for us. Uh, and he played 16 games. Uh, I mean, that was, that was fucking lucky. Farid El Alagi. He scored three goals for us in his 15 appearances. That's a decent guess. I knew they both didn't play much. Gies Steinman played 14 times and scored one goal. Oh, yeah. That's a, yeah. There's no na- there's nature had Scott Crabbs only scored twice. It can't be. can't be. Sc- Scott, Scott Crabb. World-class striker scored eight times for Dundee. Ah, oh, shit. And he played 71 games. Oh, Suter's not far for that. John Suter, 73 games. Bastard. And two goals. Now, I, I was looking at that today. I, can't, I can remember him scoring in the cup at Motherwell. I can't remember when he scored his other goal. I just... That doesn't jump out of me at all. Can't remember, but uh, but you got three, so point you're a, you're a point behind Ron. It's it's nip and tuck, That's nip and tuck. We're getting there. We're getting there. Right, I did say last week the um we're a bit of a giveaway due for for the shop uh, new pink hoodie and beanie. Now I'll be brutally honest with you. I got the hoodie and I didn't like the colour of pink it was. Right, that's the God's honest truth. So uh, I'm waiting on a new one coming as soon as it's here. Because it's like a, a sample, it's a, a real in. I mean, but it is a sample to see what it looks like. We will do a giveaway for a pink hoodie and beanie at some point, hopefully this week. Do keep your eye on your, the socials for that. Um, the shop is open. If you like to support the podcast, you can head on to dodefoxpodcast.com. Uh, Paul's really liking the white beanie. Now, I agree, it's no beanie weather just now, but you might just look trendy when it's snowing this coming Thursday, according to the weather app on my phone. Yes, I mean, it is a cracker, Robini. There's no doubt about it. I'm curious as to what size this uh, sample pink hoodie is. Um, Would I be able to squeeze my, my narrow ass into it? I believe it's a medium. Ah. Okay, fair enough. So me or you are never wearing it. It's you you wouldn't have gotten a medium when you come out the womb. No, no, I mean, there's a lot of truth said in jest, and uh, you might be smiling, but that's bang on. I remember we got an arm in it, right enough, but I'm pretty sure it's a medium. I'm pretty sure it's a medium, uh, but the last thing, uh, Claire now wears to walk the dog. Nice one. Well, at least it's getting a yes. So, yeah, I just didn't, Perfect. Like, I just, I just didn't like the shade of pink. Well, so I mean, I, I don't know what to make of that. No idea. But anyway, <laughs> big news, big news, Rondo. The live show announcement. After the sellout success of the live episode recording in February, we are heading to the Gardine Theatre for our biggest show yet. We'll be joined by three special guests to talk about their time at Dundee United. Plus, you'll get the chance to ask them a question on the night during the audience Q&A. The Dode Fox podcast live will take place on Saturday, 28th of May, 
kicking off at 7.30pm. Tickets are on sale, fingers crossed, this Friday, the 1st of April, from dundeebox.co.uk under £15 plus booking fee. It's sure to be another evening filled with plenty of tangerine tinted tales, so don't miss out. And yes, of course, I'm kicking my breeks already. <laughs> so, Paul, what did you think when you were still on that stage the other week? I thought it's I thought it's big. <laughs> There's a lot of sits. And then I pulled my trousers up again. And what did you think? <laughs> After looking at your ass. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the, 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 there's a lot of sits, Ron. That, that's, that was my, my main takeaway. And the stage, uh, we'll not need out of that stage. So hopefully they've got a black curtain that they could put <laughs> quite far forward because <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> but we're, we're hoping to do a couple, of, a couple of games and whatever on the night as well. Yeah, yeah, listen. Uh, well, just a wee it's the big audience thing, participation we've got fun yeah the big thing is it's not a live episode recording it's a total different thing so we we will finish up the week before it'll be the final podcast episode of the season because we're out of the scottish cup so that weekend will be our um like season review show and then the following saturday night will be the live episode so it won't be uh, a recording or anything it will just be a live show we'll have three guests on like i say we'll have a bit of fun with some games again it might be the guests playing games or goals or something like that but we'll have some prizes not to give out as well um and it's 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 eight weeks away and it's pretty daunting but we yeah we can't wait to to do it it's something a bit different for us it's a huge sort of jump in what we were obviously doing but uh t- t- times for living and life's for living and that's what we're mm-hmm. doing we're living on the edge and that's how we're going to throw out the season so the at the moment there is there are there's basically no plan for this to ever see the light of day unless you're there we are trying to work on something that we might be able to do doing the line or whatever but Obviously, we're limited in, on on what we can do uh, and stuff, but we are trying to work out if we can do it for people that can't be there. But it wouldn't be live; it'll not be live streamed or anything like that. It might be a bit later on. So, and there'll be an audience Q and A again. If anything did get broadcast, uh, didn't mind that Q and A is purely for the people there. Um, but yeah, we're looking forward to it. Uh, three special guests: me and Paul, some daft games, some merch giveaways, some fun. Some laughs, some good stories. A couple of beers. A couple of beers. Bar will be open. Bar will be mm-hmm. open. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Paul found out the seven dressing rooms. So that's seven lavies. You can take a dump in. <laughs> I'll need them, huh? <laughs> if I don't have four of them choked by half six, then something's went wrong. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, tickets, fingers crossed, uh, will be on sale this coming Friday. Keep an eye on our socials. We will update you throughout the week if that does change but we are hopeful that everything will be in place for that um, like I say they're 15 quid plus booking fee and they will be sold just from dundeebox.co.uk through the Gardings website on our socials there'll be loads of links to it um, I don't know what time or anything but again we will update you in due course thank you very much to every single person who has said they loved being at the live episode they love listening to it they wish they could have been there hopefully now it's a it's a huge place to, for us to get people along and if so, can, it's ridiculous it's, if, if, if half of you come out it'll be absolutely superb we're really looking forward to it and uh, tickets on sale this week thank you very much hopefully see you there Saturday 28th of May a um, couple of sporadic things just to tell you about uh, I have I've started uploading stuff to the YouTube page again because people 
like to listen to it on YouTube. There's no pictures, but they just like it. So I try to do that every single week. It's a wee bit later on a Monday it comes out, but again, if you want to put YouTube on, I don't know, on your telly or whatever, because you didn't want to sign up for Spotify or something like that, it is going to be on there, hopefully every week. Uh, and talking of other sporadic, now and again we throw a newsletter out that's just got some info and some links and whatever. Again, if you want to sign up for that, there's a link in our bio uh, on all our social media where we are at Dode Fox Podcast. Right, let's take a wee break then and get on our guest this week. Quite simply, it's this man. So our guest this week is Charlie Telfar. Charlie, how are you, sir? Yes, very good. Thanks for having me on. No, listen, we appreciate you giving up some time uh, to speak to a couple of numpties like us on a <laughs> Tuesday good night man. or whatever night it is. But anyway, Skill, mate. Uh, obviously there's uh, a few seasons at United uh, to speak to you about, but let's just take it right back. Born in Carluke, 1995. What's it growing up like in Carluke in the late 90s and early 90s? It was, uh, it was good. So I was born in Carluke and then my, I was actually, my family's from Lanark originally, so lived in Lanark all my days until until I actually moved to Dundee so um, yeah no Lanark was great I went to school um, Robert Owen and that was all very positive lots of football just lots of nice living near the school um, and I had lots of friends there and then obviously I went to school in Glasgow after that but kept in touch and always enjoyed going home mum and dad still there lived there my sister still lives there and it's yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice place to go home to when uh, when I'm not there. Mm. What's your earliest footballing memory? Be it watching or kicking a ball or playing for a team or whatever. I think I uh, my mum and dad were quite easy going. It was my dad was actually into his rugby. He played rugby, not at any level, but he um, he played rugby. My mum had an uncle who played for Partick um, in Aberdeen and stuff. So it was. It was. I was never forced in one way, and I think at the start I went to Kirkfield United, and it was a wee, just a boys' club, and we trained at the the race course um, out in Lanark. And me and my friend Sean, we went, and I think we spent most of the time doing roly polies and picking daisies, and not actually any interest in football whatsoever. So I think I was taken away, and <laughs> the coach said to the parents, maybe a. Not sure if it's actually for him just now. I don't think he's actually very interested in it. So, um, but no, I eventually, I think a year later, I came back and I think I was told, like, it's football. You, you maybe need to try and take part. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. I was never forced in. I, had, I took to it and I really enjoyed it. And I, I actually played rugby alongside it until I was actually 16, 17 years old, until I went full time. So, actually, my background in football and stuff was actually kind of hand-in-hand with rugby at the time. Mm. What was it like, sort of, in the school? Was it just playing for your school team, boys club team, and just really enjoying it? No real career aspirations, possibly? No, not at all. I think there was, as I said, there was, my uncle played, but even growing up, it it was never a, oh, your uncle was a footballer. It was, he played football and that was cool and that was it. It was never, oh, we'd love you to be a footballer. Yeah, I I played with the school team. I can't remember there actually being that many games, to be honest. Um, I think we had a couple of wee tournaments in Kerluk and it was five a side. But at the time, I just loved playing. It was, it was really enjoyable and I played with my mates at school and, 
it was yeah, it was really really good. And I think looking back on it, probably the fact that I just enjoyed it first and foremost is probably why I managed to really go on and play at an okay level and play for some good clubs. So um, no, it was all it was all pretty positive. Lots of playing in the playground, and I used to as I talked about my mate Sean, me and him, and. We boy James and Fraser lived around the corner to mates. We just used to after every day at school we'd just be out playing two, three, four hours and before staying at theirs, it's mum's calling them to them, we'd come home for dinner and just vice versa for all of us. So it was yeah, that was all just lots of fond fond memories doing that. At what point then does it become like I'm I'm actually no bad at this kicking a ball about thing? Yeah, well I, I was a so I had close family friends um Rudy and Andrew brothers and they, they they had season tickets at Ibrox and occasionally I'd go with them when I was seven or eight and then and then fortunately they, for, unfortunately for them but fortunately for us I went to a Champions League game and Rangers were playing I think it was Porto at the time and came up on the screen and it was Rangers soccer schools and I said to my dad oh, I'd love to try and do that and there was one in Hamilton nearby and then yeah basically my dad was like, oh, we, we could go to that. And I did, and I really enjoyed it. And then within, I couldn't, couldn't tell you the time frame, but I think it was maybe a few months, I would say, oh, would you come and go to the advanced soccer schools? Obviously, very Rangers and Celtic advanced soccer schools, but come to that, and I did that. And then it just kind of sped up massively from there. And that was about when I was seven or eight, and then eventually went, not full-time, but went pro-youth at like nine years old at Rangers. And that was it. And even then it was never really serious because it just felt like it felt a bit surreal driving into Glasgow once a week when you're nine years old, but it was just once a week and we didn't really have games at the weekend. So it was all quite laid back. And there was, as I said, no pressure. It was just, I, I supported Rangers. I love going, I love going to the soccer schools and I wasn't even nowhere near it. And I loved going when we went pro youth. So yeah, no, it was all, it all just kind of, took it hand in hand step by step and see where, where it took me and got quite, got quite far with it and even when it was fun at that age then is there anybody that you were playing alongside or, or against that we might know any any guys that have made it in the game um, there was so eventually when I went maybe 13 or 14 Liam Kelly was in the team um, one of my close mates Andy Murdoch he's playing at air he actually broke in and played Played with Craig Halkett, early age group, so I eventually went and played with at Livingston as well. Um, yeah, there's a couple. Conor McGrandles is down south. Um, yeah, there's a few, and a few leave, and then they go and join other clubs, and you see them doing well there. Um, so yeah, there's been quite a few, and was obviously delighted to see Craig Halkett and Liam Kelly now playing when it didn't really. Liam, not so much, but Craig it, it came, he signed, and never really got a chance, and he's gone out and kind of gone the other way. And, gone to Livingston and had to work his way up and now he's in the Scotland squad and it's just amazing to watch that Have you got his phone number then? Because if you do could you text him that he should have been sent off the other week at Tanadyke and you can't exactly exactly what you're talking about I'll pass it on Uh, Before he equalised should have been off (laughs) Unbelievable Still getting the referee bashing yeah we're good at that on a weekly basis Um, I'm good at that too don't worry Obviously Picked up by Rangers as a kid, and you were there until 2014. What what was it like as a youth going in there? Like, did you have any jobs? Kind of, what was your kind of what was it like being being in being a youth footballer with Rangers? Yeah, it was it was it was all looking back on it, and I was thinking about it before I came on here what I thought about it all, and it was it was all really positive for me. I really loved it. I loved everything, and I 
was meant to go full time when I was 16 by I made a deal with my parents that I would do go do my hires and then um, because they really they just I was good at school and they understand how short the career could be or how it can change in a blink of uh, blink of an eye um, and we watched it with so many players that were destined to go and play for the first team and now they don't play anymore and it's so that was really like reiterated throughout my teens like let's just do your hires and then do you know what after that you can do whatever you want as long as you've got that back so I decided to go full-time the year later and then um, when I eventually did I loved it it was amazing and it just being a part-time like youth footballer was cool at Rangers but when you went full-time it was amazing being in and about it and I know the club at the time was going through a difficult patch but even being around we, we were in about the first team but yeah we did we did have jobs We'd, we didn't get to clean the boots Jimmy Bell was that was his job I've never heard of that anywhere else that the kit man would clean the boots it was always the youth players because as soon as I came to United it was it was bizarre that there was youth, younger boys cleaning your boots I couldn't really understand that but yeah we obviously had indoor hall at Murray Park so I had to hoover that and clean the cones, clean the balls, pump up the balls. Yeah, just standard jobs that I think most youth teams have. But um, no, it was all, as I said, a really positive experience for me and I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, even bound to forward a little bit, obviously, to, you're at Falkirk now. Do the young guys there, do they still have jobs? Do they still get a bit of an education? Because you know what's phasing out the game, the higher the level you seem to go, they don't mm-hmm. seem to have as many. No, I think because there's not a Falkirk did away with the youth setup. There's still there are quite young lads that are in the first team. So there's like a few 17, 18 year olds, and yeah, they're tasked with with everything. Cones. Obviously, it's not like at Dundee United and Rangers and stuff where you have to clean the balls because it's an Astro. They don't have to that issue anymore. <laughs> but yeah, it's especially at Falkirk because we train at the stadium and. It's they're out for hours looking for balls, balls in the stand, balls over the fence. Like we're all changed, showered, had lunch, and they're still out looking for the balls. So yeah, it's not, it's not. I don't think it's as uh, harsh on younger boys these days. But yeah, they still have still have the jobs to do. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, Johnny Russell might have some stories about being a youth and the jobs they had to do back in mm-hmm. the day. Uh, speaking of him, I'll use him as an example. So I we we were when we were speaking to him, uh, we said when United. I'd obviously said, look, we're going to offer you this. You're going to come full time. And we then said, what did you, what did, what happened to a school after that? And he, he, in no uncertain terms, he said, oh, I fucked off school right away. (laughs) I wasn't interested, but you said you stayed on to do your hires. So, Mm -hmm. you know, how, how big a decision is that? Or was that a case? Mum and dad said, that's the deal. And you went and done it. And you obviously must've got a few hires. It must've been worth your while. Yeah, no, I did. I did well my hires, but it was just never a, it was never a conversation. Um, and I think at Rangers, we had like a, I don't know if it was quarterly parents evening where it was just checking in and what, how the boys were doing and whatnot. So I think there'd been conversations early doors like, oh, we'll probably looked off from a full-time contract. And I think my parents were quite, um, quite stern with them saying, no, I think that's what he wants to do. And we've agreed. And that was, that was just, I don't think it was ever, when I think it was always when you've done your eyes, you'll get a full-time contract. And it was, there was no, I think at the time when I, my age group eventually went full-time, I struggled with it because I was coming in training with the younger age group, like Liam Kelly's age. And that's when I started to think at times I was like, oh, I wish, maybe I wish I'd done it. But looking back, I don't, I don't regret it now, but yeah, I definitely felt that 
at times I missed it, especially when because I kept in contact with a lot of the boys that I played with throughout the years that they would be full time and done and doing stuff, and I was still at school and then going in in the evening. So it was a uh, yeah, it was difficult at times, but it was it was an opening, really, to be honest. Yeah, it's just, it's just like a, I suppose in the fullness of time you see it as like it's a small sacrifice to to have to have made. Uh, has, has any of the young guys at any of the clubs you've been came to you for any sort of advice uh, just on you know this is the the situation I mean what do you think I should do not necessarily that I, I eventually when I was at United in my second year I started oh. doing a sorry that's my phone yeah, I'll move that um, well, you've got to buy a beer that's what that's happens that. if your phone goes off that's what, that's a, a fine beer each. <laughs> that's fine we'll get we'll crush that in a later date Charlie <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah, sorry, I was saying that the second year I did an open university degree or started it at that time. Um, and I've more had people come up to me asking about that and what I think about it. And even players, like I said, Andy Murdoch, who he eventually has gone on to do it as well. And I think Cole Donaldson did it after he turned when he was at United. So yeah, I'm more, more on that line than actually staying on and sticking in at school. Um, because I've not really, aside from Dundee United, there's not the teams I've been at. I haven't really had youth teams that have been like mm-hmm. mingled between the two squads. So, mm-hmm. not necessarily with school, but definitely with like the extra kind of, kind of like uni stuff. Yeah. What was the um, obviously the reason for you leaving Rangers? Then was it to just kickstart your career and play a bit more? Yeah, I, I felt that, as I said at the time, it was I loved Rangers. And I didn't want to leave, and I'd made the one appearance and. I felt at that time that I was ready to not, I wouldn't say necessarily go on and play 30, 40 games a season, be a main player, but I definitely felt that I was getting on and I was training with the first team nearly every day and I'd play 20s with the um, the 20s, obviously, and then train with the first team throughout the week and sometimes travel, sometimes in the squad left out or sometimes on the bench, but I was just never really getting that next step. And, I played, played the game against Dennis Muir and I thought I did well and then nothing really else came. And then obviously Dundee United are playing Rangers and they beat them 3-0 and then I hear of a slight interest in Jackie McNamara being keen and once there was an interest there, it was a no-brainer. The team was flying, the players that were at the club at the time and and you watch young players at the time getting their chance and doing really well and I've always, I always thought, I always, when I watched when I was younger, I thought Dundee United is such a big club and it's a cool club. And it was it was an unknown entity at the time because it was just Rangers, Rangers, Rangers. But as soon as it came and I went and visited St Andrews and the stadium, it was just, it was a no-brainer for me. Um, and the opportunity for first-team football and playing with players that were there was just, I, I couldn't turn it down at all. Yeah, And United were obviously really keen, you know. I think the rumour was they'd had a bid in for you, got rejected. Ali McCoyster said you were a great prospect, wanted you to stay, but like say you then sign a three year deal United as an eighteen year old and it was for you time to kick on from there. Yeah, definitely. And it was it wasn't an easy decision whatsoever. Um and I'd had conversations with Ali McCoyst and stuff about what they thought. Um but I, you know, and at Rangers and Celtic, and I played. I played with players that have come through at Celtic, and they have similar feelings with it. That you either you either go in and you just stop, you just constantly stay and stay in the team. You play and you play and you play and you break in, or when you get a taste of it, and then you kind of come back away from it. It's it's difficult to not want that constantly because twenties football is fine. It's good. It's a really good standard, and I thought the twenties league was a really good introduction to. 
football, I thought. Um, so, but when you get a taste of it, and even training with the first team, it was just like, it's just a step up. It's quicker. The players are stronger. And then you come across experienced players that played at a high level and you just think, I want a bit of that. And I wanted a taste of it. And that was the kind of overriding factor. And a club like Dundee United coming in who were top end of the SPL, third, fourth, battling for Europe in Scottish Cups finals. It was just a, a no brainer. Yeah. What was it like getting shown around St Andrews and, and Tannadice for the first time? Yeah, it's, it was different. Obviously, I come from Murray Park, which is amazing. But when I went to St Andrews, I was as not mesmerised, but I loved it. It was I loved the clubhouse, the changing rooms. That whole it felt so it felt really homely, and I was shown around after. It was like an afternoon after training, and Jackie and Sid and Jacko, and we looked around, and it just felt perfect. It was nice. St Andrews is lovely, and then obviously we went over to the stadium and. It's an impressive stadium, cool change. Like, it was just, it felt, it just, everything felt positive about it. The club at the time was really positive. And yeah, it was, it was, I, I still remember it so fondly and so clearly being shown around. And yeah, it was just desperate to start. Mm. What was so, that? Did, did you reach out to anybody that was there? Uh, like, did you know anybody that was at Tanadice at, at that time? No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, I didn't. I'd, when I'd heard that we played Dundee United in a 20s game um, down at Dumbarton and then I think Jackie was there at the game obviously watching and then it was after that just a couple of I, I, I think there must have been a bit of conversation between someone and, and Jackie and then I just heard that yeah they're keen and then I, I didn't really know anyone at the club I obviously I watched them and then saw like Goldie Stewart Gary, Nadir, Sean Dillon, Paul Payne, John Rankin, everyone that was playing there, Keith Watson, Rand out and watched them and watched a couple of games after I did interest and was like, wow, they're a really good team. But no, I didn't have didn't have a clue who anyone was. What was it like as an eighteen year old moving up to Dundee then? Like did you go into the digs initially or did you just get your own place and No, I I I'm firstly I moved in with Cal Morris and Jordan Moore and then eventually Connor Townsend came in loan and I stayed with them shortly in the city key mm-hmm. um, and I mean I think it was Lee Wilkie's flat I can't oh there's stories about be, them he, yeah. <laughs> he owns the hill city key <laughs> I think it was I think it was the same place I think Johnny Russell might have been in my flat actually oh, his flat probably um, and then I eventually moved up to Clay Hills and lived with Stuart Armstrong for six months and then Blair Spittle for the remaining two and a half years so okay. um, yeah yeah I didn't go into the digs but I definitely was down for free grub and watching the football a lot of times <laughs> <laughs> um, what was it like walking in that dressing room for the first time I was I was really nervous because obviously I and I felt that this is first season really where I've been at Falkirk for the third year and you're one that's been there for a while and watching people new people coming in and I was that person I'd been a Rangers for nine years and I knew everyone and I was going into a complete change room where I knew of Ryan Gold and John Souter because I'd been away with Scotland with them and I was quite friendly enough with them and spent time with them when we were away in camps. But no, I was I was nervous. I stayed up the night before with my mum and dad and oh, I was in, in that morning I was up for about seven o'clock and I was dreading it, dreading it. And I remember driving and my dad and my mum were in the car and just sitting in the car park and I was like, I don't want to go across here. This is... This is <laughs> petrifying, but I got in and everyone still was, I think he was the first face I saw and he hasn't stopped talking since, as I'd said earlier. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was, it was, I was nervous, but as soon as I got in, it was, the guys were great. Yeah. Let's, um, 
let's talk about some of those teammates in that dressing room. There's only one man to start with, the Enigma himself, Nadir Chiefji. <laughs> he was he was such a nice guy and then he would just he'd just be so grumpy and moody and he would he'd train his boots undone I'd never seen that before and he would just walk in the <laughs> training and Jackie would have to Jackie would have to manage him in a way that was just you, you kind of had to be harsh but then you had to also put an arm around him but he was oh he was some guy he was he sat just in, across from me in the change room and I just thought this guy's this guy's mad never witnessed anything like this <laughs> I've never been in I've also only been in youth changing rooms so as soon as I went into the first team change I was like this guy's mental <laughs> and um, I mean it's been well documented for everyone we've had in but he loves a run in with teammates doesn't he he loves yeah, a scrap waste teammates he was just and that was also something he was just so happy with confrontation he would just happily say what he thought and at times you think and it, it, I would try and pass it into him. It'd be intercepted. He'd just look at you and just come on. And then you're like, oh no, I can't get the next one wrong. <laughs> but no, he was, he was demanding. He was demanding, but he was a brilliant teammate. He was an excellent footballer, especially at Dundee United. He was brilliant. He carried us numerous times that season, scored some excellent goals for us. Yeah, yeah wild guy. And everyone said as well, you know, when he just took kick off on his own, just oh, went yeah. himself. <laughs> and it was I don't think it was ever discussed that uh, Nadir will go for a dribble in fact that would happen absolutely incredible and uh, yeah. obviously two two players that were that were there senior pros as they hate to be known as but Paul Payton and John Rankin were players that you maybe mm. weren't looking to dislodge at the team you were probably looking to play alongside them but they'd done a heck of a job in that team yeah yeah they did they were I think I'd, when whenever I'd spoken about that team, everyone always just talks about how good they were, and because it, I think everyone in front of them got the credit they deserved. But those two, and you saw it every day, both of them were competitors. Like Paul Payton, no more so than anyone. He just he would hit you hard, he'd smash you in training. That was just the way he played, and that was that was fine. And if you're rolling about, you just tell you fuck off, and that was it. But <laughs> he was, uh, and John Rankin's just as fit as anyone. And those two in the middle. I watched the, the semi against Rangers and they were just brilliant. They were the, both of them, even, and I just think the way they played, they complemented each other so much that, and they were just, as I said, competitors and they were, I learned a lot from them and watching them and training with them every day. And were, even John Rankin, the way he lived, it was crazy, mental. One McDonald's at the end of the year, but he would, uh, <laughs> the funny story I heard that he was, he's such a fitness freak that his son, he would give him as a play piece would be chopped up peppers. And I thought, well, that's just... <laughs> everyone in the playground getting crisps and he's got chopped up peppers. <laughs> <laughs> Two top pros, to be honest. Yeah, they really were. Um, you'd have had a bit of a pre-season that year, Randy Robertson, wouldn't you, before you left? Yeah, he, he still The deal didn't happen for a, a few weeks because, well, the story is, he, he asked to play against Forford, didn't he? He was desperate to kick a ball and he, he ended up there being for a few weeks. Yeah, I think we we went to Holland. Uh, I also think we went to Ireland. I don't know if he was there, but he was definitely there in Holland. Yeah, he was there for a good few weeks. Um, so yeah, that was that's always what people ask us. Oh, did you play with Andy Robertson? I was like, oh, yeah, three weeks. <laughs> I remember seeing him because I remember being him. He was in the stand at Easter Road during the friendly. Like the deal yes. was pretty much done, but he was in yeah. the fans that day, and you just thought he he might do all right. He might do all right yeah. if he sticks yeah. in. You know, hope he's ah. doing all right now. And, ah, yeah. uh, yeah, I know, and and uh, you've mentioned already, but Goldie would have been there for what about two days before his deal happened. 
I think it was actually that day. Yeah. He didn't even train. I think he actually came in and left, um, and that was that. But uh, which I was, I was quite excited because I'd known him from Scotland, as I said, and I was quite excited to train with him because, and I knew him, so it was a familiar face. But I was out before I was even in. So I think it was. I think he was quite proud to say it was just before like a yo-yo test or something, and he was yeah, like, "See, little lads, cheerio." I know, I know. He's away. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, you did mention pre-season it was Ireland and Holland that year there was about eight friendlies but for, for mm-hmm. playing having that many games is that a big help to you coming into playing a new team a new system a new manager and everything else that was brand new to you yeah I think looking back on it now definitely because now pre-seasons are so short because we have this the bet thread um, so it becomes if you're on the periphery and you're a kind of fringe player getting those minutes is is more difficult now but at the time yeah there were so many friendlies and so much so many opportunities for you so it was yeah that was really good and even the way Jackie managed throughout the season you knew you were if you knew you would get an opportunity and you knew if he didn't take that one he would get another one at some stage because he believed in everyone and gave everyone chances and I think that was why we were so well we were successful at periods um but yeah, that preseason having all those games and being able to go in and play different positions and learn the system, learn new players, how to play with them, that was was really really good. Yeah. It might be a bit. Your answer will probably be very different to some of the guys like a, a Dylan, a Pete, and a Rankin, who are let's just say the other side of thirty. Um, <laughs> you know, a Jackie McNamara preseason is apparently a lot easier than some of the old school preseasons. I'm imagining your preseasons have probably been all quite. New, lots of ball work, no as much running to you, you know, mm-hmm. you're being sick and stuff like that. <laughs> yes, yeah, they have. And especially Jackie's was, uh, was I, I didn't know what to expect coming in. It was a lot of the ball and it was wee games and possessions. And it was really, really hard and you got fit from it, but it wasn't. And to be fair, actually, Ray McKinnon's, and I've had a few of his pre-seasons, they are a wee bit more old school there. That's a lot of running. A lot of mm. cotton runs and a lot of Union Jack runs, and it's they were difficult. So that was a bit of an eye opener from the two pre seasons with Jackie mm. to then going to Ray McKinnon's, who were a wee bit more old school than probably uh, Jackie McNamara's, anyway. Well, but, um, do you remember much about your debut coming on as a sub versus Aberdeen at Potodre? I do. My, uh, I think my mum and my dad and my sister were actually in Aberdeen end, um, <laughs> and it was. And I'm I'm still really friendly with Stuart now. And I remember he got subbed. I don't know what time it was. It was quite early, and he was not happy at all. And I thought, oh, okay, is this is this how it is? But um, no, it was amazing. And I think I was on at two 0 And I think Squiddy, um Chris Erson scored the third. If I'm right. Yeah. Yes. Um, yep. But no, it was a cool. That's a cool debut up at Petardji. I I didn't think I realised that that was quite a bit of a rivalry between the two clubs because um, every game after that that we played in there was always a decent following um, to that game I mean you say you say you got subbed early I mean 48 minutes is pretty 48 early minutes yeah. Well, yeah. I remember passing him a jumper and just getting it thrown right back at me I thought what was that again he <laughs> <laughs> didn't get subbed very often to be fair sure, but um, yeah he was he was uh, yeah, he yeah, you um you featured in the first three matches of the season that you seem to be on the bench for weeks on end. Did mm-hmm. that really show how strong a midfield you were trying to break into? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think it, at the start, I came in and had quite a good pre-season. Then I kind of probably had a bit of a lull um, just getting up to the pace with it all. And yeah, the competition in front was 
really good yet. As you said, John Rankin, Paul Payton, Sue, GMS, Ryan Dow, like Spitz was even in there. Um, Callum Butcher was featuring a bit. So, yeah, I knew that. I think when I went up, I never thought I would even go on and play. I think I played 20 odd games that season. I'd never in my wildest dreams thought I would play that many games that season. So I was quite content tra- uh, training and, and I got on a couple of games at the start and had to wait a wee bit. I think it was till St. Martin that I got my first start. But yeah, I had to wait a few games and yeah, it was I, I was I was fine with it. I think uh, looking back on it, I think, oh, I, mean, I didn't go and speak to the manager. I didn't speak. But at the time I was just loving it. I was just enjoying it. Everything was new and it was fresh and the weeks were flying by and it was just a game after a game and it was the SPL, so I was I was just loving it. Yeah, you mentioned that it's a Mellon game. I mean, you also got a goal in that game as well, 1-3-0. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Thanks to Paul Payton score that day as well. Oh, I'll tell you exactly who scored it. Was, uh, uh, yeah, Peyton yeah. and Nadir. Peyton and Nadir, yeah. yeah. No, I, I think it was actually before that, that game, I think Thursday or Friday, I actually went and spoke to Jackie and just said, oh, it was. It wasn't like a why am I playing. It was more of a what's. Am I going to get a chance anytime soon, or what do I need to do to get in the team? And he said, "Oh, you're, you're going to play on Saturday." So, God, I had nerves for about two days. Couldn't sleep, but uh, no, it went well. Good result, and yeah, it was. It was. A, yeah, it was a good. It was a good day. Suppose that must. I mean, I'm guessing, and maybe it's different for a professional footballer. But if you just get selected and it's a wee bit of a shock to you, then you're like, right, okay, I'll, I'll do my best here. Mm-hmm. But if you actually chop the manager's door and say, come on, boss, where am I going to get a game? Mm-hmm. Oh, you want a game? Right, I'm going to put you on Saturday. The, ah. the, the pressure level must get ramped right up on yourself. I know, because you need to take it. <laughs> <laughs> You're you just chopped the door. Yeah, I think I did it in a less chapping doorway. I think I like, oh, there's a ball near the gaffer. I'll go and get that. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> so I was actually a P-heart, to be honest. So, um, yeah, I, I did be honest, Jackie never never put pressure on. I didn't feel it anyway. Um, it was always just go out and enjoy it and do do what you do, play the way you play, and that mm-hmm. made you feel less less worried and less anxious about it because you just knew you knew he believed in you and you knew what he wanted, and it kind of came hand in hand, really. Yeah, you seem yeah. to be flying as well. Once you got back in, you got Young Player of the Month as well. Yeah, that, yeah, it was it was a really good month. I was, I think, I just I just played a few games. I think we had Mother won the cup after it, and then we had Kelly, I think, or if I'm right, and thinking, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a good month. It was a really good month, and that took me by surprise. And it was just all about, as I said, the, the first six months at United was all about of a whirlwind. To be honest, I can't really remember it. It was just learning. I'd moved out for the first time. It was changed flat twice I was playing first team football and it was all it was just I couldn't be happier and I was just kind of going with the flow and when I won that it was it was a nice it was a nice uh, nice award to win I didn't even I didn't even think that Young Player of the Month was a thing so when I got told I won it I was like oh, amazing 1st <laughs> <laughs> uh, of January 2015 well, you just said you, you just said you couldn't game. be happier but 1st of January as Ronnie's just mentioned what happened that day? I can't, I can't remember you might have you might have it's a small no, matter was, of a wee game was, uh, yeah I remember I remember getting uh, after the game because we stayed in I think we stayed in the old course before the game on New Year's Eve and I used to spend New Year's with my mates and they were all at a house party and I remember thinking oh raging I'm furious <laughs> I'm sitting in the hotel and they're all at New Year's I was gutted so uh, that was <laughs> and I was on the bench and I was 
I need to get to sleep before 12, but all my mates are sending photos in and I was, yeah, I was <laughs> it made up for the next day. I'll tell you that for sure. Oh, definitely. Well, what, definitely. Was, what was it like for you? I know you are on the bench for the majority, but just coming out and seeing the crowd and the noise and everything like that. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. As I said, I didn't really know what to expect the full when I went to Dundee United and this was just another, obviously I knew the old firm, but this, it was, it was so, the stadium was packed. It was, and obviously I think there'd been one before and um, I hadn't played in that. And I remember Spitz, he got a start. I think it might have been his first start. And I remember seeing him in the change room. He was chalk white. He was, he couldn't believe he was playing. And I was like, trying to diffuse the situation. It's just another game, mate, but it was definitely not. And on that day, <laughs> certainly not the same. It was, oh, it was amazing. And, the amount of times I've spoken about it it's just I don't it's probably one of my most fondest memories in football and I didn't even play for majority of the game but just yeah it doesn't matter I just it was amazing and um, do you remember like being warming up and getting that shout back obviously because you're a distance for the dressing room for the dugout sorry and you get that shout to come back in and get ready Uh, I'd remember Jackie saying you're going to get on and Stephen Leahy being like go on me man you're going to score and I remember thinking oh yeah I hope so hope so and then <laughs> it was just because I, I think I'd maybe kind of come out of the team and I hadn't played and, the, and then I, I just I was getting on I thought this is amazing like amazing I'm just delighted to get in the park and try and play a few passes and do nothing wrong and just uh, if you get a chance shoot that's all I thought just if I get a chance shoot and, and yeah, fortunately enough ball got passed across and I was able to finish it but yeah it was it was all I don't think I realised how important it was and how big it was at the time um, but yeah it was an amazing day amazing day the atmosphere after that game was electric do you remember who you came on for? Shine? Does it, oh that's a good question who did I come on? was it Chris Erskine? no I'm surprised that this boy never two-footed you was it was it Paul Payne? No, 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 well, going by how referees don't like this player currently, and he's still a United oh. player. Callum Butcher. Callum Butcher. Yes. There you go. Butcher. Was it him? I didn't know that. Aye. Came on for him, and then obviously we took Nadir off, and then you went and stuck in number six, which yep. obviously led to the song about you and whatever else. And that must be quite a nice feeling. Yeah, it was. And then it was, I think, a few weeks after the fans started singing it, and. I just thought, I was like, why this? Yeah, we won six two, amazing, but why? And then I just it came out, oh yeah, biggest win, and I was like, this, yeah, it was it was really nice. And when they sang it, every time they sang it, I was always I really appreciated it. And I remember my girlfriend didn't manage to make that game. She kind of comes to a few, and she, uh, I think her phone died. She was getting the train up, and I picking her upside the train station, and I was like, she said, did you get on? I said, yeah, I got on. She's like, oh amazing. Did you score? Oh no, that's wrong. She said. Did you win? I was like, yeah, we won. Did you go on? Yeah. Oh, amazing. Did you score? Yeah. She couldn't, her face dropped. And that was probably <laughs> as amazing as anything else. She was absolutely <laughs> delighted for us. So, uh, yeah, that was, oh, it was an amazing day. Amazing day. It was well worth missing the house party on New Year's Eve. Oh, oh it was class. What were you going to say, class. Paul, before I cut you off? Sorry. I was going to say to Charlie, did it take any shine off the fact that it was against a goalkeeper called Arvin Schenk that you, that you scored that goal? Because... With all due respect. Top drawer goalkeeper. <laughs> well, well, he's certainly, I'm not even sure he's a top drawer anything. <laughs> uh, but he, but uh, he might actually, and did I take this the wrong way, he might get into the United Hall of Fame before you. Because United <laughs> fans love Arvin Schenk. 
Even though you scored past him, but he 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 assisted six goals that day. You only scored one. <laughs> what a man! He's a hero of mine, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I, I think um, I think when we were speaking to Dillo about this game. Was there no fireworks going off at the old course because of the New Year celebrations? I think so. Yeah, and they were <laughs> being down in the lobby, it was just like bagpipes. People coming in with kilts on it. <laughs> probably not the best place actually to stay the night before a game. Probably, probably been better in our bed. That's incredible stuff. I always remember that. But you know, and uh, if you're going to beat somebody six two, beat your neighbours. And hey, we don't repeat that often. Just the one sense. Which is nice. <laughs> um, uh, obviously that month you got a double against Motherwell you were in quite good form rounded off the month at Hamden we beat Aberdeen 2-1 to go through at the final League Cup what was that game like for you? Yeah well I'll rewind to the week before that we played Motherwell and that was that was again as I spoke about Jackie rotating the team mm. and uh, just giving players chances I think it was probably resting the certain boys and making sure there was no injuries before the Cup semi and I played the game and scored two and before the semi I never thought I'd play I didn't I thought I just hope I get on at Hamden <laughs> I did well and started the game and yeah it was just amazing experience and it wasn't I didn't play very well and that was and that's by the by but yeah an amazing amazing experience amazing going to Hamden the, the staying away and the Dakota the night before getting the bus to the game you've got all the embroidered trackies saying cup semi and then you come out and you, yeah, yeah, it was just an amazing atmosphere, an amazing experience, and one that I'll never ever forget. That was just and to be in a cup semi the first season I leave, basically um, youth football, and I'm playing in a cup semi at Hamden against uh, Aberdeen. That was just amazing day, amazing day, and an amazing result. I mean, I think you changed the game that day, Charlie, because you, like, you played 58 minutes, <laughs> and you know, you know what I'm going to say. And then and, and we were getting beat. <laughs> we were getting beat when you went off, and then we, we scored two goals. So I, I'm in, in a roundabout way. I'm going to say that you you helped contribute some some way, shape, or form. Change the wave. In uh, a roundabout way, correct. something might come up about that in later in a later season that we speak about. Um, <laughs> you mentioned that Motherwell game. Actually, you know, I've just looked at there, but we didn't half rotate the team that day. Like GMS yeah. on the bench, Peyton, Rankin, Nadir, all on the bench that day and we go out and I mean you could take Motherwell a pinch of salt if you want but we've always had a, a bit of a tricky type sometimes against them but we go out and win 3-1 and feel what I remember mm-hmm. we're pretty good on that on the day so it just yep. shows and then it you puts a good the game ma- yourself Mr Telfer yeah and then the manager's got decisions to make for, for like say the League Cup semi-final the following week yeah, I think even I think Spitz played right back, and he, he did play right back in his youth days. I played, I actually played with Blue Spitz at Rangers as well. Um, yeah, and he played right back that day. Mm. So that was it was a completely changed squad. So yeah, that's mad. I didn't realise it was that many changes, mm. but um, yeah, yeah, it, it was. was a, um, really at least to celebrate getting into the final, there was obviously going to be a quiet couple of days for two of our best players. I mean, <laughs> we know how we felt as supporters, but. When that news breaks that those two are, are off to pastures new, how does mm-hmm. that make the dressing room feel? Yeah, I think living with Stuart, I kind of knew something was happening on in the background of that because there's always a lot of press and there was a lot of press around Stu and GMS and even Goldie before I was at the club, but there was a lot of speculation and Stuart was Stuart's quite quite reserved, like he won't give too much away, but it was clear that it was going to happen and Celtic were really interested in I think I don't think we realised how big an impact they both would be. I think we all knew they were amazing players and were definitely willing, well, destined to go and play at a much higher level or play for be- 
bigger clubs and bigger tournaments and Champions League with Celtic and Europe and stuff. We all had aspirations for that. But yeah, I didn't think you would realise that how big an impact they had on our squad and the quality that they both possessed. Mm. Is it true they had to be sold in order to pay for your current teammate Paul Dixon's wages? For coming back, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> it's his fault. It's his fault. Yeah, we've dealt him. It was his fault. Yeah, heard he was demanding all sorts of money. So yeah, it was Dicker's fault. Hundred percent. You can tell him I did that. I'll tell him. Um, March twenty fifteen came along. We must have been fed up playing Celtic by the end of that month, eh? Just the four oh, games. That was mad. <laughs> that was mad. I can't believe it. And I remember playing them there. And I think they were four or four nil up, and Liam Henderson was keeping the ball in the corner, and Ryan McGowan's McGowan's wiped him out. He sprinted by me. He's playing right back at the time. It's in the top left wing. He sprinted <laughs> by me and just bumped him. And I thought, three <laughs> yeah. like, uh, nil as it is, mate. <laughs> I, I remember that very well. Yeah, yeah. The, um, obviously the, the league cup final was. <laughs> devastating as well I mean you know, for yourself you know when you didn't go off the bench it's, it's tough as well but we were speaking to Dillo about it and obviously this is the game Dillo goes off and people think it's nothing wrong with him I've seen the picture it's pretty gruesome but yeah. then he just gets a red card just to make his day even better bad enough bad enough what did he ha- what did he get injured again was it his head Shin Shin, Shin. Shin's Shin. a complete yeah. mess Shin. was it Van, was it Van Dyke I can tell you. I can't remember been. who it was. I think it was. I'm sure that when Dillo was speaking to us, I'm sure he said it was Van Dyke. But yeah, like we've we've obviously seen a picture that he must have taken at the time, and like you see the scar on his leg. Yeah. Like these days, know. it's, it's horrendous. He was off for ages as well, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah. He was off for about seven or eight minutes, and I'm, Celtic scored when he was off. I'm sure. I did that. I'm sure they scored that. Because I, I was, I was, I was going berserk in the stands, shouting at Jackie Mark to try and make a subby. Because you cannot, I mean, playing Celtic in Glasgow is hard enough. Never mind just getting them an eight-minute window when they're, they're a man up. I just thought, this is madness. And then obviously Dillo comes back on and thinks, ah, I quite like that dressing room. I'm going to watch like somebody in head back yet. He, um, he, he, he sent me the picture. Like, I've, I've got the picture of that, um, of, of his leg. And it's it's, yeah. a, it's a mess, like. It's a real yeah. mess. Um, I'll see if we can find it, but it's horrible. Um, obviously, the the first game of that month was the uh, craziness of Van Dyke and Peyton being sent off, and mm. then Dixon got sent off, and it was just a chaotic game. That's the when it wasn't a Paul, it wasn't a Peyton, was it? It was Calm Butcher. No, it was Butcher that nailed him, yeah, and Peyton's walked in, third man in, <laughs> off. What? Mistaken identity. Yeah. Uh, don't even look like him. Don't even speak like him. That was mad. <laughs> no, it was mad. That was mad. I remember just the Shamash happening and thinking, what's going on here? And then who they <laughs> Madness. I don't even know who the ref was that day, but he was card happy for sure. Oh, yeah. oh exactly. who the ref was that day. It was uh, Craig Thompson. There you go. So there you the go, boss. Careful what you say, Mr. Telfer. You don't want to get pulled up here. I don't know if you can see, can you see that. Oh yeah, yeah. Nasty. That's a bad end. For for, nasty. for people yeah, listening so. to what is an audio only podcast, <laughs> that's not going to help you any. But you know, uh, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty minging one for that. Um, obviously, that, that that was the same season. You got called up uh, to the under twenty ones. You faced Hungary there, and I mentioned to Paul just before you come on that. See, when I looked at it, that under twenty one team that night was unreal. 
Like yeah. some of the names on it, John McGinn played, Ryan Gold played, Ryan Fraser, Lauren Shankland, Ryan Christie, um, Callum Patterson, Stuart Finlay, Mark O'Hara. You know, there's some team that to be in, involved with. It must have been some experience. Yeah, it was. I would. I remember being raging because I was. We did. We. I think we trained in Glasgow and we trained at. Um, it's not Love Street. It's just. Is it St. Man Park? Now? Yeah, yeah, I'll go with yeah. that. We trained. Yeah, we trained there, and uh, we did shape. And I was in the starting team. I think Danny Lennon was the the gaffer, and uh, I was in the team, and I was buzzing for the game. And then we went over, and he made a couple of changes, and I was out. So I was. I was gutted, but yeah, the squad was looking back on it now. I think at the time the stand, I, th- I thought the standards excellent, and I loved going away. Um, but yeah, looking back, what a career a lot of them have had. They've gone on and done unbelievable. John McGinn, to name a few, to name one in particular, he's been brilliant. But yeah, the, the standard was unbelievable, and he he was doing what he was he's doing now at that squad. He was just putting his his big arse in and rolling everyone in. That <laughs> is the biggest arse in Scottish football. There's no doubt about it. And he knows how to use it as well. He it's, certainly does. It's incredible. I love it. I'd love it. Um, we rounded the season off beating Dundee three 0 Of course, we did. Quiet game for Nadir that day. Quiet game. <laughs> I actually later on played with Jim McAllister, who was involved in the incident. Yeah. Nadir's innocent. He's innocent. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I remember playing with him at Morton and him showing me a picture of it and thinking, I'm saying, oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the, be- the best bit is, when we asked John Rankin about it, he said, that night, he had to go to a PFA Awards night and was sat next to Jim McAllister. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to get in a fight with Jim. So oh. Jim and Jim and the deer, geez, that would be a good scrap, but oh yeah, that was mad. That was mad. <laughs> the deer after the game was probably the quietest I've seen him, to be honest. What a way to sign off, eh? It was incredible. Uh we finished the season in fifth place. You got twenty five appearances, four goals. Uh, were you quite happy with your first season at the club? Yeah, I think I was, and I think I played. I kind of got a decent run towards the end of the season. It was a kind of maybe play ninety a year, then come out, and I, I got a decent amount of minutes, and I enjoyed it. Um, I think we we weren't particularly happy with the way the season ended. I think from February onwards, the record wasn't great, to be honest. But um, for me, in a personal level, I think I just was excited to kind of try and kick on the season after and build on that. But yeah, four goals in the season, I was pretty happy with it. Probably could add more, but. At the time, I was just just after playing first team football, and to score was a bonus. Aye, and uh, how did you feel coming back for pre season? The next season, would you have been just again kick on, go up a level again, get through the gears? Yeah, I was really excited. I came back really fit, um, and I felt great in pre season. I think I, I think we went again to Holland, um, and yeah, loved it. I was I thought I was playing really well. I was training really well. Felt fit. Felt strong. Um, I'd had and I have had for a while I had an ankle issue at the time but it was fine felt good but I just constantly was this was the season where I just started to really really have an effect not on not overall but it was starting to kind of go but yeah I felt I felt great at the start of the season I felt like I had a really good pre-season and I think started well well I started the first couple of games of the season and see for that as a young on you go Paul on you See, as a teammate, and I don't think we've ever asked any anybody that we've spoke to this question, uh, Rondo, but when, when you went into that season, you know, as a fan, we were thinking the, the goalkeeper situation was a bit a bit ropey because we had lost Rado uh, Czerzniak and we had uh, Lewis Vick and Michael Shromnik. Now, whether or not they were going to be good keepers, at that stage, 
they were completely untried and experienced keepers. What, like, as a teammate, what were you thinking? Were you just trusting them because you've seen them in training, you, you know that they're, they're a certain standard, or were you thinking, wait, wait a minute here, like we, we we need a wee bit more experience because they were he was the goalkeepers were also behind uh, a fairly inexperienced at that level centre half partnership as well in Dernan and Donaldson for a number of games. Yeah, I think I think there was always just a thought that because they were young, Mika was a wee bit older than um, Lewis. But I think I don't think we overthought it. But I, we always thought that someone would come in, thought some mm. goalie would come in, and then I think the gaffer just at the time put his trust in them, and and I think that was just that was it. Like we just moved on from it, and they, I think did really well in pre-season. I was quite close with Lewis. I actually went and visited him in Germany that summer and I was just happy for him, excited for him to, because he worked really hard, he trained really hard, he was really dedicated to it. So it was, you don't really hear young keepers getting a chance or kind of going with older experience, um, rightly or wrongly. But um, yeah, I was just excited for him because as I said, he was he was a top top pro. He looked after himself and was just desperate for the chance. Mm. And the thing is, as well, it was a, a, a summer when a massive turnover of players, you know, Nadir went, uh, Yarrick went, Rado, Butch. It kind of felt a bit like January all over again for us as as fans, you know. And I'm assuming in the dressing room, you just need to put your trust in the manager for the squad. Mm-hmm. And I think looking back on it, you forget how good Yarrick was for us and how experienced he was at the back. I, I enjoyed playing with him. I thought he was a rock and he to kick kick his granny. So he was brilliant. And I think when these players left, it was just the whole just for me, I was when Cam Butcher left, it was kind of like, oh well, that's maybe me getting closer to playing every week. So not that I was happy for him to leave, but it was I wasn't like oh gutted that he was a good teammate, a nice guy, but I thought, all right, that's me. Yeah. Maybe it's more onus on me to go and play this season and be that take that role and be 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 the man in the middle. Uh, um, yeah, I think I don't. I can't remember being overly worried or overly anxious about signing players or worried that some were going out the door. But maybe losing those characters in the changing room was well, it obviously was a big um, a big problem for us. Yeah. Rodney Schneider. Talk to me. <laughs> I, had funny, I had a funny feeling that his name might have popped up. <laughs> I was thinking about him today. Um, f- he was uncanny to his brother the way he looked and the way he, yes. and the way he trained. Not obviously Wesley Snyder was an unbelievable footballer, but in like just their wee tendency, the way he turned, the way he passed at times, he was he was very similar in that sense. But you just kind of got the feeling with Rodney that he was. He just wasn't happy away from home, uh, and I think I'd listened to Dillo's Dillo's podcast, and I had a bit of an experience of it when I was in Holland, being just a foreign lad in another country. That it is a bit lonely at times, and that's it's difficult that going back to your flat where you've not got family or friends, and they're not constantly around. And yeah, it's okay being with your teammates, but sometimes you like your mates or your girlfriend or your family that are nearby that aren't you're not having to try with, you know what I mean? And constantly put yourself out to be. So I did, when he, when he left and didn't come back, I was a bit surprised, but um, yeah, it was, it was probably just not the right, not the right move for him at the time. But I did think at certain training sessions and certain preseason games, I thought, yeah, you've got, you've got something. Any um, man that can be offered a deal and then disappear on a stag do for a week and then sign his deal 
I tell you, I'm shaking up, boys. If he ever rocks up again, I'm shaking his hand because that's <laughs> that's some going as a professional footballer. If you could just, I don't know if I want to believe it or not believe it. To be honest, like, when it was when it was even spoken of that that happened, or he was maybe in a boat with Tiesto. <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> well, my dad mates like Tiesto. Uh, you take me for yachts and Marbella or whatever it was. I beat that. <laughs> Yeah, that's that incredible cool. stuff right in the middle of pre-season the season's about uh, two weeks away and that's what he does apparently so uh, yeah I don't know <laughs> don't quote me on that uh, I'm going to mention two players now that we've had stories about you're bound to have stories about them as well uh, that summer the first one Midge Gardine left <laughs> yes yes he did and he was I, th- I think I hear stuff about Midge and stuff and I, I didn't I, did, I remember him just being loud and silly and just just doing daft stuff with people's protein shakes and <laughs> and hiding wallets and whatnot. And he was just he was so he was so good to me though. He was very complimentary and such a nice guy. He was always whenever I've played against him since, he's always spoken and spoken so nicely of me. So I I feel like I got a kind of softer side from him. I thought he was he was a bit of a charmer, but then I've heard, I've heard all these stories. I thought. Uh, you are a bit wild. And, uh, <laughs> I, witnessed it, I witnessed it live. I think we were playing. Was it Ross County? Did he go on loan to Ross County? Is that yeah, right? Or yeah, yeah. And him and Dad and Jackson having a bit of an argument in the tunnel. And I thought, oh yeah, he could. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to go with Mitch. He would. <laughs> he was a bit wild. Friend. So, nah, he was. He was a character. To be fair, and the stories I've heard of. I didn't witness any live, if unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, but uh, yeah, why well, yeah. <laughs> And to think that uh, Sean Dillon thought he'd escaped and he's walked into the Montrose dressing room. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> he probably thinks, God, I've served my time with this guy. And he but so, nah, he's a lovely, he's a good footballer as well. Very yeah. good footballer. So, yes. Madge Gardine leaves. Now, I know we've got managers to leave and everything, but let's just dust over that first. In the November, Gav Gunning returned. <laughs> I'd heard about this guy as well, and you could hear him the first before he'd even walked in the change. You could hear him, and he was cursing and swearing at everyone. <laughs> I thought, "Who is this guy? Who is he?" <laughs> he's like, oh, he was he was he's so funny. I remember once we were doing this two goals, mannequins in the middle, middle players either side, and he chipped it over and. The other team, he just took a touch and hit a shot. And Gavin Gunning's standing leaning against the post, and one of the balls, he's chatting away, probably talking shit as usual. And uh, <laughs> chatting away, the ball hits him, he hits the deck. Everyone's like, oh no, oh, no. <laughs> out. So someone shouts for Jeff or Craig or Kaz, whoever it was at the time. <laughs> Gavin Gunning is knocked out, he's knocked out. So he's just lying there. He's got a hat on, the hat's kind of off. He's wearing gloves. He's just a bit of a ragamuffin, really. And then, <laughs> then we're coming in. People go, right, we'll lift him in. So people, I think someone's got his legs, someone's got his shoulders. And as he's going off, he just he just turned in, just you see, just eyes go open. He goes, <laughs> and then he had five days off of the concussion. He was completely fine. What a man. Yeah. <laughs> he was mad. He can't be dead. He was completely fine. When you go back to training, just ask Paul Dixon about the uh, the the, 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 the Newcastle. 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 Okay. Just just that's I'll, I'll just leave that with you. Leave that, will you? Then when you then when you when you do that, 
the morning or whenever you're back and you see him and then you could fire <laughs> us a message when he, he tells you what happened you could listen to the episode but getting it live is even funnier so I'll just leave you there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to expect with that because that guy was uh, he was messed up I'll leave that with you um, another Dundee derby we were 2-0 up Charlie Telfer comes on but drew 2 all. what happened? Uh, I know I know I know to this day it still haunts me when the ball came out of the box just head it kick it anything the other direction but oh no it's not, there's nothing worse coming on I want des- delighted to get on especially having been dropped from the played the first two games I was desperate to get on and yeah come on and I think it was 2-1 at that point and then as James O'Pake scores from about 30 yards is it? Oh, no, somebody took a shot and then yeah. slid in yeah, he, yeah in my opinion he probably fouled Vicky went and stood showing blah 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 uh, yeah. but uh, but Dundee fans still celebrate that 2 all victory so uh, <laughs> you know good at that. they've done that lately that, 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 that was that was that was disappointing I think we all felt hugely disappointing when you're involved in the goal you kind of Oh, it kind of haunted me for a while to be honest I regretted it massively and I would I would do it differently now I think I learned from that day but um, yeah no frustrating and Simon Murray almost won it on the day Simon Murray had a shot that Scott Bain tipped onto the bar and then the bandits went up the park right. and scored it was a thunderbolt I do remember that did he save yeah. it yeah. yeah it was yeah that was definitely were the better team on the day that night so it was that was hugely frustrating what was it like um, overall your Dundee Derby experiences did you quite enjoy the games well I actually didn't play in that many and it was first, I played in the 6-2 obviously and I played in the 2-all but I I watched a lot and we played <laughs> we uh, the 3-0 at the end of the, the season that season because I wasn't I was disappointed not to play but when I took a step back that was a great day and seeing Spitz score and obviously being close with him and staying with him at the time it was amazing for him and I was delighted for him and he did he scored the two in the night in the two two, um, bit of jealousy on that, but I was delighted for him. Um, on Good number six though, so yeah, true. You know, yeah. True. I always true. like to ask, and it, sometimes it's it's got some mixed feedback. But did you prefer watching or playing at Tannadice or Dents? I much prefer at home. Yeah. Much prefer at home. Yeah, Tannadice. No disrespect to Dundee, isn't. Oh, feel free. Nothing <laughs> compared to. To Dundee United, uh, the Tanadice, sorry. Um, I just, just I, I just love being behind that goal at Dens. I, I don't know why. Oh, I just, do you? I can something about that. it. I just, I don't know. It's Apart from when I was watching. It's good to um, go into their house and bet them. Ah. Yeah, true, true. And to be fair, an away victory is always sweet. Yeah. We, I think we had won, I think the first opening, the first derby of the season, my first season, we won, was it 4 2? I remember Cam Morrison scored ahead and I remember the atmosphere that day was brilliant. 4-1, four, four, I think. 4-1, four, 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 one, Bilotti yeah. scored think, the penalty. Yeah, yeah. Bilotti scored. I think Rado threw it in in the last minute, did he, did he not? Like Greg Stewart <laughs> threw it between his legs or something. <laughs> to be the bandit, some consolation heading up that. <laughs> but no, that was, and it was always, when I signed people, like, oh, you'll walk up the road to the to Dens and Derby Day and I thought, you probably won't, but no, we did and that was, that's such a it's a cool experience. Like yeah. people always ask, oh, what's it like playing a derby, walking up the road?" And it was quite cool. Cause people come out and watch and watch you walk up the road. It's mental, but uh, <laughs> no, it was cool. It's cool tradition, really cool. It yeah. was when I came to Tannadice the first time to view the stadium. It was mad thinking that the stadium was just hundred yards up the road. Yeah. So I remember uh, you're right. I mean, you know, we're featuring many of the, the derbies. Uh, 
one of them, I remember being behind the goal when it was Kawashima's debut. It took him about four years to join, but I remember watching Guy Demel that day then drag backs down the wing and I thought, what the hell's going on here? And it didn't help me <laughs> as well, but that was probably my lowest ever being behind the goal because it was always quite good, but that was, that was not a great day, but we'll move on. Um, uh, obviously, that, that Derby game, we can move on for that. What was it like what was it like when Jackie McNamara left after that St Johnston game? Yeah, I think I, I think we all knew that the, the pressure was mounting. Um, but everyone everyone liked Jackie and everyone liked him as a manager. The training was good. The, the way he set out the team was good, and we just we just when we lost the players of the quality we did from the season before in the January, um, it was just hard to replace them, and it was it was. It was hard. It was dif- disappointing for me because that was the first time I'd experienced a manager getting sacked and the unknownness of that. Um, so that was that was it was difficult to take, and the whole situation was bizarre. That he just sacked kind of like outside the change room, and then he comes in and tells us he's leaving, and it's just a pretty surreal situation. A bit bizarre when the guy that's your manager for the last year and a half is then just in the change room, and he's just been sacked and. I think everyone felt disappointed and felt if you feel responsible, you're part of it. You're the reason why he's gone. Um, he can take the fall for certain things, but that comes down to the players, and we should have been we should have been doing better at that time. How different was it when Mixu came in? Yeah, he's, he's a, he was very different to Jackie and said and Jack and he also said Gordon Young, but he was uh, he was very stern and everything was very set out and the training changed massively and it turned into eleven v elevens and it was just and having gone through lots of managers now um, as a player his style was he was he was just different to Jackie and I thought oh no this can't be. This because it was eleven v eleven. You kind of knew the team from the start of the week. He built, which is fine. And when you're involved in it, I'm sure it's when you're starting and you're playing every week, then it's fine. And there's maybe the surprise and the trying to keep everyone happy is just maybe not the right way at that moment. But yeah, it was a lot of tactical stuff. And when you weren't playing, it was it was quite difficult to see where your chance was going to come from. And obviously the situation the club found themselves in at the time and where we were in the league, it didn't make anything anything, uh, anything easy at the time. So I, I liked Mixer and he was very honest with me at certain times and I, I, he'd never kind of sugarcoated things. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was just a, it was a difficult time for everyone, I think, even yeah. the boys that were playing. Yeah, and you ended up going on loan in January. So how did that come about? Yeah, well, I... There'd been something in the newspaper at the time, I don't know what it was, that said that I wanted to leave and that wasn't true. And the next day Mixud pulled me into the office and he was he was pretty unhappy with me at the time and he thought I'd kind of orchestrated it or got my agent to say something. And that wasn't true at all. I I was there was I, there was nothing I well, I came out of the meeting and I thought as my agent sense I called him and he was like, No, nothing at all. So but I'd said to him at the time, No, it's not coming from me and I was worried that it was maybe coming from the club that they were saying, no, he's maybe put me out on loan or put me in the transfer list or whatever you do in that situation. So then he'd said to me, oh, well, I'm actually thinking of playing you at the weekend, being involved. So I was thinking, brilliant. Okay, I'll be ready. Um, and then I was left out of the squad on the Saturday and I was away on loan by the Monday. So it all happened quite quickly towards the end of that. Um, but when I hadn't been playing at the time anyway, so there was no, I wasn't, it wasn't any shock element that, he wasn't 
he'd be wanting me or having me at that series at that moment in time. So yeah, when the loan option came to come play football, it was it was kind of disappointing. I didn't want to leave. I wanted to play and I wanted to be a part of it and try and help. But it looked like it was I wasn't really needed and I was actually being left out of the squad at certain points. Mm. Well, Livingston full time at the time. Yeah, they were, and that was the thing. He, I think, Mick Sue, Colin Nash might have played under him. I mean, I'm guessing that Hibbs, but um, he wanted me to go to Cowden Beef at the time um, because he knew Colin Nash. But they were part time, and I just I didn't want to go. I wanted to stay. I wanted to go somewhere and play full time, and um, he but he wanted me to go part time and then still train with the first team. And I just kind of wanted to kind of, not a, not a clean break, but just go somewhere, train every day, get and play with them and have full-time training. So yeah, they were, they were full-time. Yeah. And what was that? <laughs> I'm giving you a long answer for a simple question. How did it feel when the club got relegated, given that you actually couldn't help it because you weren't there at the time? Oh, I was gutted. I was. I followed the games every every week, and if I wasn't playing, I'd watch the games and I'd go to the games and stuff. So I was, I was. It was yeah. I was gutted for the club, and and personal level, I was gutted that the club had gone from being a well a top six team in my eyes in SPL comfortably to now playing in the championship. So again, that was another experience. And then you, what comes hand in hand with that is jobs are not secure anymore the staff are not then people might need to, there's chat of that and there's chat that people might need to leave and people that are on good contracts will need to leave and it was just I, I think as time it just got worse and worse and worse and worse and it was just a really it was I, yeah I was gutted gutted for everyone gutted for the fans gutted for all the players and yeah it was just it was and the staff everyone so it was yeah it was difficult really difficult and really when you when you're part of it you feel responsible although I was alone I was there for the first six months and I played some games so you need to take responsibility and say you were part of that and yeah it was um, yeah, it was really really disappointing yeah I remember speaking to when I was speaking to John Rankin and Paul Payton about it and you could just hear kind of the hurt for them the, the whole time and, and, and what it was but it, it was absolutely devastating but you come back for loan and you're on to your third manager Ray yeah. McKinnon was there and like you said you mentioned old school but I mm. imagine there might have been a bit of uh, Jim McLean influence in his yeah. training sessions he used to refer to him just as Jim and uh, yes there was a lot I think he was he was he played he liked to play in a modern way but he was still very kind of old I don't know what old school is obviously I've not experienced that but from what Dello and Willow and Paul Payne and John Rankin said of being old school he was he was closer to that than, than Jackie was anyway I don't know if I would like to do a mix of uh, pre-season <laughs> I'm glad I missed that <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm assuming given the old school element it was always for fitness but you'd have felt quite fit getting the old school sort of treatment of runs and runs and runs. And dare I say, was Hamburger Hill featured? No, what's oh, Hamburger Hill? That's a total different podcast altogether. But uh, <laughs> Dylan, Dixon, Lee Wilkie, um, what other names, Paul? MD it would have played up to probably including Craig Levine. Uh, Mark Wilson. Mark he, Wilson. He missed, he they mentioned can, it. They'll all be able to tell you about Hamburger Hill. It's basically yeah. run around Camperdown Park in the shortest amount of time. And if you spew your ringer, you spew your ringer. 
so there's loads Dick Architect again another wee thing for Paul Dixon ask him what Hamburger Hill is I'd, I wasn't sure if McKinnon would have it or no he might uh because uh, it's it's apparently it's brutal apparently it's absolutely yeah. brutal so you can ask Dicker him about did, that did tell me that it would have been Levine or maybe it was Houston that he found out during pre-season I could be wrong here during pre-season or during the season that two players had gone and played golf and and, may, and uh, either or was very unhappy and made them run up, run up and down the stairs in the stand with their golf bags on. That's incredible. Um, obviously, we, we're going down and players leaving. Whatever. There's another rebuild underway. How is it playing in midfield with Mr. Angry Willow Flood? <laughs> yeah. Again, I'd played against I think I'd played against him for Aberdeen, but you knew what he was like. The way the way he played and to be honest, he didn't he didn't disappoint when he came down. He was uh came down from Aberdeen, he was he was brilliant. I really enjoyed playing under Willow and he was he was him and Dillo are very similar, but Dillo is not as angry. But they demand a very high standard and they're demanding and they're good leaders. So it was probably a perfect signing for the club at the time because someone that had been there, done really well there and knew the club and he played at good teams and played for a good squad. So it was a good signing. But yeah, he was he was, um, he was a character and I, I really liked Willow. I thought he was... He, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't mince his words. So and if you didn't give him the ball, you'd, you'd know about it. You'd definitely <laughs> give him the next time you get it. <laughs> Um, no, nah, he was good. Well, it was great. Yeah. Could you believe what you were seeing at East End Park when Cammy Bell had a hat trick of penalty saves? <laughs> Amazing day. Couldn't believe another penalty and they missed it again. Uh, no, that was unbelievable day. I think we even signed the ball after it. First time I've ever seen a goalie get a hat trick ball, but um, no, nah, amazing day. Amazing. I couldn't believe it. I knew Cammy. I, I think when I was at Rangers, he came in as a goalie and from the first day, he smashed me early doors. He stood in. To be honest, he was brilliant whenever I played with him, and I even played with Falkirk as he was getting a wee bit older. But yeah, Patrick of penalty saves. <laughs> Don't think you'll ever see it again. To be honest, unbelievable. Paul, Unreal. Question for you then: Who missed the penalties? Nick uh, Clark, yep. Paul McMillan, yep. and uh, Gavin Riley. Correct. I think. It was. He, missed, he missed the first one. Yeah, he did. Eh? It was yeah. unbelievable two, to see two. that. McMullen obviously at Tanadice at one point. Yeah. Like Clark's still there. Yeah. And and he's our penalty taker. Yeah, you know what? Like I, I think I've told you before, Ron, I was at that game. I was at that game behind the goal with the old man and they get the first penalty and you're like, oh, shit. you just assume that they're gonna score when when the opposition get a penalty against you. Who got and booked for the foul? Uh well I think Edge and Gelly shoved somebody and then Frank van der Stroik Trust somebody up That's... just because he was clumsy. And or or then, who got who got booked just after the penalty? Then just after he also got sent off. I know that. Oh, one. Dixon. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think we spent more time when we were speaking of Paul Dixon. I think we spent more time on his yellow and red cards than anything else. Yeah, he, he, he did his that day. He hung us out to dry that day. I remember he that. did in a half. Um, oh, that, I mean, that was incredible. But I remember we um, we went to Easter Road in January that season and we got beat 3 0. And it seemed like a massive setback at the time. But on paper, that Hibs team was someone else. I mean, they still yeah. had McGinn and everyone was still playing, eh? But that, that seemed like so a bit of a. That was when he was good, eh? Was, <laughs> um, that was a bit of a kick in the balls, I thought. And then. 
Ross County felt our arses up at <laughs> in the Scottish Cup, but what yeah. a day out. What was, a day out that was. Was that the game that you, uh, should have been abandoned for the fog? We've got about 6-2 and I can't remember seeing anything. So, uh, uh, it was 6, it was uh, it was the fog, yeah. Really bad yeah. fog. <laughs> game should have been cancelled. It was terrible. Definitely, as soon yeah. as their first went in. <laughs> should have took the 3-0. Yeah. Uh, we did win the Challenge Cup final though. Tony Andrew, mm-hmm. what a man. Mm-hmm. Screamer. A uh, decent day out in the sunshine, although it's a pretty shitty tournament, but... It was quite nice to, to see we lift a cup and Tony Andrew hold a bottle iron brew like it was yeah. champagne. Yeah, I, I I was yeah, the competition. I don't mind it. When we won it, I actually really enjoyed the, like I really enjoyed the fact that we won that. It was mm. good. It was nice it was a nice distraction from what we were trying to yeah. primarily achieve. Um we just kept going. And then I think we got to the semis. I, I don't know if the semis was Queen of the South. Um but yeah, that day, that day for for Park was it was good. it was been the South Andrew yeah. Fraser and Telfer on the score sheet. Yes, um, but yeah, it was that was it was a good. I'm glad we won that. It was when you get to the final, and it was it's St. Martin were in the championship as well, so it was a good tie, and I'm glad we won it. And it was it was as I said, it was a lovely day. Some it was goal, lovely day. Some yeah, it was goal. amazing goal. He was a brilliant player, oh. brilliant player, and an even better guy actually. To be honest, he was a uh, yeah, top drawer. Oh, what, what did he make of the the man of the match trophy? Because it was a ball iron brew, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Man of the match. <laughs> uh, nah, he must uh, have been thinking. Wait a minute here. We get champagne normally. What is this boring stuff? I know. <laughs> I'm absolutely gutted. It's brilliant. That's what it is to <laughs> do, yeah. Um, you put you you feature in uh, Sean Dillon's testimonial. Uh, what about Noel Hunt's assist for the winner? Bringing on young she. Yes, yes, yes. I do remember that. That was cool. That was a cool night. I was. I couldn't. When Dillo got his testimony, it was. I again. It was another experience I'd witnessed, and for him to get the day he did. But yeah, it was. Like, it was a good day. They play Hearts. Is yeah, that right. Hearts. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. And was it she uh, scored? She right? Yes. right of the death. Scored the second. Yeah. 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 Uh, Andy Webster. We spoke to him, and he was near wiping shoot. Yeah. She was at the back for hearts and he was no. like, wait a minute, I've not been briefed about this. <laughs> I could get the bar here and half the man. <laughs> uh, that was a brilliant night. Though. Well deserved as well. Um, yeah. We fell obviously a bit short in the league, but we did get to the playoffs. We got a good one against Morton. Uh, we'll not ask you to speak about it, but some absolute scenes at Falkirk. Uh, before Hamilton, yeah. the Simon Murray sending off. I, I mean, I come so- on. I yeah, know it was it was it was a, such a huge loss for us um, because despite whatever you thought of that Sam and Murray, I thought he was excellent. I thought his work rate it was such he was so good for us in the playoffs mm-hmm. um, and that run in. So it was a huge loss, huge loss for us. Yeah, were we out on our feet by the time we got to New Douglas Park? I that day is also as the, one of the most disappointing days I've had in football as well. I was gutted for it because I, I thought up in Tanadice that we actually matched them I thought we were alright I don't th- without being fantastic I thought we matched them and I didn't think they had anything I thought it was more of a toss of the coin and I thought we probably were better than them but yeah to lose that day it, it did it felt on the day that we were just we just weren't at it um, and 
this, like after the game, it just the change room was obviously wasn't there when the club got relegated, but and witnessed the change room. But being in the change room after missing out on that was just it was frustrating. It was such a it was a long season, and to get to the final through that way, which obviously the club did again, we got to the playoff final a couple of seasons after and lost at St. Martin, but. It's just, it's a horrible way not to get up because you, you get there and you play over in your head of getting up and celebrating with the fans and because it was a good following that day and it was a lovely day again and it was just, it was heartbreaking to be honest and it was disappointing. I came off and I just remember sitting there desperate for us just to get an equaliser but just wasn't to be to be honest and it was, we probably were a bit leggy towards the end of that season and uh, it probably showed on the day. I think it's always been said as well, it's so heavily weighted in the team that are above Regardless of what bit of the pyramid you're in, you know, mm-hmm. the, the Premier team are always fresher because they don't have to play these four other games, you know what I mean? Yeah, I find that it's bizarre because obviously looking at what the playoffs for Falkirk just now, looking at us, if we finish fourth, you play second bottom of the champ and then it's the t- to second and third playing. It makes more sense. Um, it, it seems fairer on the players, the teams that are trying to get promoted, obviously, then the teams that are getting relegated are in the relegation playoffs don't want it but yeah it's you bought fourth place third two games they then play second two games and they have to play another and it's just we probably were pretty tired going into that game but yeah frustrating very yeah. frustrating now I'm not saying it's your fault but you seem to come on for Wato Kuwati during the playoffs is that why you went mad? <laughs> <laughs> that guy oh wow he's he's in the same bracket as Gavin Gunning just wild wild character I've never never come across a guy before we were in as I said earlier on we went to the Spitz and I would go down to the digs and get a free meal we didn't have BT Sport we'd go and leech and watch the Champions League and I remember one night we were just sitting in there and he just there's about 10 of us sitting watching the football and Watto's sat in front of the TV with an armchair screaming down the phone and everyone's like what talking can you just maybe go next door he just looks over and just nothing said so then we're all just saying, no this can't be this nah this guy <laughs> nah he's not at it so someone I think Spencer I say like what come on like just go through the next door and he got up and I thought oh no he's going to cement me here <laughs> and uh, we eventually just let him sit there and scream down the phone and none of us could watch the TV but I think the TV volume poured up but yeah that guy was he was he was something else. he actually had a bit but he was just he was just him and Gav Gunnan they've done a lot of confidence eh? No, I think did Watto not say he was going to be the best midfielder in the world at one point? Oh, yeah. Gav Gunnan been. said he was the best player in the SBL. Yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I just think again. I mean, the goal he scored, and then I mean the celebration was ridiculous when he scored that. But you just thought he, he might he might be all right if we can keep a lid on him because yep. you could tell he was he had someone about him, but. Mm-hmm. Just, I just couldn't believe what I was watching. Like it was just yeah. crazy. Yeah, he had everything. He was, even in training, like you just couldn't get the ball off him. He was just so strong, and his feet were decent. And he was just—he was a good player. He was. There's no mm-hmm. that he had something. I think he was just, just, <laughs> just. You need to probably get someone that can control that. Uh, yeah, there, there was just two two wires when I touching in that head of his. That's the only thing. But yeah. ability wise, he definitely had something that he could offer us. Yeah. But yeah, he did. He did. And that goal he scored with his left foot was was a bit peach. forty yards out, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a peach. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Gav Gunnan, now you weren't there, eh? 
but you must have got a text message telling you he's just picked the ball up. I thought, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> I feel sorry for him because I know I know the story behind it and that he was really suffering with his back and or it might have been his back and his knees or something, but he was really suffering with that injury and he was he just couldn't keep going. He couldn't go on. He's like that. Yeah. I'm done. I'm done. And yeah, I remember watching the video and he just under one arm just <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so we've heard that we've heard the story as well, but to me, like I, I get it, like maybe he was in an incredible amount of pain. But the bar's been rolled to his feet. He's about ten <laughs> yards for the sideline. Just kick it out. Just kick it out and go down. And then nobody nobody says anything. People are like, all oh, right, he's injured, that's fair enough. You can't just pick the bar and walk off. No. Like a, a petulant burn. That's my bar, that's it. Yeah. Nobody's, nah, nobody's, nobody's getting it. I'm going home. Oh, uh, a bad decision for the guy. Yeah, maybe, maybe in hindsight he might have not done it like that. But yeah, yeah. the video, of, the video of it's yeah, it's tremendous. It's hilarious. Um, <laughs> your contract was up at the end of the season. Was it just a case of shaking hands and moving on? Um, I didn't. I we, there was it was kind of left. Obviously, the way the season ended, it was it was quite abrupt. Um we all came back up the road and I think we went for dinner after and then everyone kind of went on their separate ways um, and then I was in Italy with my partner at the time and uh, I got a call and that was it was just no it's, there's there's nothing there for you um, and I was gutted I remember being quite upset about it to be honest and because um, I loved it up there I loved the city I didn't think I didn't think moving up to Dundee, I hadn't really heard much about it, but when I moved up, I loved the city, I loved everything about it, the Perth Road, everything, and how close it was to St Andrews. And I, Whenever I go back through Dundee, it's always mem- such fond memories. So I was gutted, I was um, disappointed, but at the same time, I thought maybe this is just a chance to go and have a fresh start somewhere. I'd been there for three years and... Um, grateful for the opportunity and I just yeah it was kind of like that yeah a few days after just kind of shake hands and move on and see what was see what was next mm. and what was it like that summer for you on the back of getting that news yeah it was yeah I think as as I came through Rangers um, it'd been quite kind of easy not easy that's the wrong word kind of straightforward it was kind of as the as I got to the end of a year there was never really or maybe maybe I'm, I was just young and kind of naive that I didn't worry about getting another deal so then this was kind of probably my first rejection my first disappointment in football that was minor obviously with going out and loan and stuff but and but personally rejected and not yeah, told that you're not you're not getting something so I think I struggled to do to get to grips with that I think it was it did hit me a bit and I was I was hugely disappointed and just because I, I felt like I wanted to be part of the I think if the club had gone up and we'd have been part of the playoffs it would have been less difficult but because I wanted to be part of getting the club back to where they were um, it was it was yeah pretty disappointing to be honest mm. and how did you end up going to Holland? Well, from I, I was unsure what was going to happen at Dundee United. And I played quite a lot of games that season, but then towards the end of it, as you mentioned, Watto came in and I kind of dropped out the side um, and for the last few games. And I just thought, you know what, I wouldn't mind. I'd always spoken to Nick van der Velden and Frank, and they were all they were quite 
they liked me as a player and they thought that I would suit Holland. And I'd always kind of, people had always said that Dutch football would suit you. And I just thought, you know what, I'll, I'll just try and go down that avenue and see what was what. And spoke to Nick and Frank and they spoke to people in Holland and that was kind of how it kind of came about, um, that opportunity. So it was always... I'd always wanted to play abroad. It was always an aspiration. So at that time, I thought, you know what, maybe it's maybe this is the time to go and do it. Um, partner and I didn't live together. Where she was still at uni and coming to the end of it, and we didn't really events. And tie, I didn't events really tying us down, and we could make it work. So it was it was a good good up good time for me to go. Yeah, what was it like? It was amazing. I loved it. I think. I suffered with injuries. Um, I started to really suffer with my ankle at the time and eventually got surgery a couple of years later on it. And uh, I suffered from osteus pubis um, in the January, but I've had that since November. So the actual footballing side at the start was really good. I played a few games and was in and out. I mean, the, just the way of life over there and the football and the way they just adore football over there it's, and the way they play football, they, it's, it's not just like they adore football, they love total football and everyone the technical side of it and everyone's so invested in it so it was yeah it was an amazing experience I loved it and if I'd stayed fit um, I think being injured and being away from home I kind of got a bit homesick but initially I had a two year deal but it could break in the summer and I was kind of desperate to get out of home and to try and get myself started Aye and then you you went to Morton and are you the reason the manager walked out? (laughs) I know that was good to me. Signing <laughs> and then leaves. Uh, cheers, mate. <laughs> no, I, yeah, that was that was an odd experience as well. Um, it was. <laughs> I think a lot of the players were shocked because he brought in a lot of players and then they left within. I think it was the end of August. So um, yeah, and was, then the next manager walked through as well. Oh no! Because <laughs> <laughs> of your contract, apparently. Say that again. Because of your contract, apparently. Because if you've played one more game, it was an automatic renewal. Yeah. And I only asked because Peter Houston is his assistant, who obviously was our manager when we won the cup. That was the tedious link to get to that. Yeah, so. no. Uh, yeah, that was... It was a bit of a mess, to be honest, mm. then, at the end. I think we'd, we'd be, we were okay that season. It was disappointing. I, mean, I think we were middle of the pack. But at, at one point, it looked like we might be looking over our shoulder, but we kind of got out that way and then we were safe going into last game. I think we actually beat United on the day in the last game of the season. Yep. But yeah, Husty was, was great, to be honest. And I think he was probably less intense or demanding as an assistant as a, he took a step back. But, oh, you didn't, you didn't want to mess with him at times. I remember I got subbed one game and went straight into the, dug- into the changing room and he came in and, I just looked at him and thought, oh no, <laughs> what have I done? He was like, what's the matter with you? Oh, just, just say something. <laughs> <laughs> Told me where to go and then uh, and then on the Monday he was fine with me, but yeah, he was he was quite an intimidating man. Yeah. But I'd heard, I'd heard stories from him, so I think it was more, oh, don't get on the wrong side of Peter Houston. Uh, <laughs> reputation was giving you the fear. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you've been at Falkirk now since 2019. How's it been? Um, yeah, it was. It's been. It's been. Um, yeah, up and down. Uh, well, not as many ups as it probably. I think with COVID coming and us being second with a point to go, I think I don't want to speculate, but I feel like we'd have had enough over the last nine games. I think we had raced 
Um, no disrespect to them. I think we had them. We had them at home in the last game of the season. I think we'd have caught them. I think we'd have gone up. And then last season, um, being the disrupted season, and then I, I fell ill towards the end of the season and we were eight points clear. Um, when I went into hospital, that was just, we think they missed out in playoffs. And then this season, it's just, when you change managers and the up and down and the change of squad as I witnessed at Dundee United as well it's hard to find that to find a balance and find connect as a team and I think we've got good players and good um, good staff and everyone's wanting the same thing but it's just it, you see with success you see with Dundee United when they come up and you even saw with Wraith when they would come up they then go and challenge for the championship and it's just keeping a core squad and everyone pulling in the same direction so it's hard it's hard when there's a high turnover but as a club, it's a great club and the facilities are excellent and the fan base is really good. And Yeah, I've enjoyed my time there. Um, although we've, we've not had the success that we wanted, um, it's been it's been a thoroughly enjoyable time. Yeah, and um, I was going to, like you mentioned your injury, I was going to mention your injuries. Are you kind of injury free now if you had the operations you have or are you always going to be maybe dogged a little bit? As long no, as well, I... So when my first, my first year full time, about a weekend, I tore my ankle ligaments um, in a bad tackle, and then it was fine. And then came to United, and I did it again early in the first season, and then it just became every six weeks it would just roll out again, and then it just became worse and worse. And I just had to manage that, and then eventually, um, last the before then the end of my first season at Falkirk, I was just like I was out going out walks and just like roll my ankle and it was becoming it'd been like that for about two years before and I thought I'm just going to go and get a scan so I got a scan and it just transpired that I had no ligament in my ankle that was keeping any stability and then I had a muscle torn on the outside of my leg so all the kind of stuff in your body that's meant to stop your ankle from rolling I had none of it so it made complete sense so now I've had the operation it's the best I've ever felt I feel fit mm. strong and I think I lacked confidence in that ankle at the time because I was always nursing it. But it's not not an excuse on any of what's before. But I'm so glad that I've had it done now, and I feel I feel like I'm a better player than I ever was when I was young. When I was broke through United, and ever since all the clubs because of it. So no, I'm excited to see what I can what I can get achieve and do from now. Yeah, how was the whole sort of COVID episode for for you guys? Given the frustration with the league and well, personally, everything just stopped for the whole world, didn't it? Two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was difficult for everyone. It was it was just so bizarre. Looking back on it now, you just a year and a half, two years of our life. That's just we did nothing, we just sat in our house. But yeah, we always had the. I think as a club, as Falkirk and the players, there was this optimism that reconstruction was going to happen, mm-hmm. um, and that it would go to whatever fourteen, ten, ten, or whatever. Um, so we all we kind of thought that maybe we'll get up through reconstruction and you'd hear different things you'd hear it's happened you'd hear it's off you'd hear there's a vote there's not a vote so we there was I had that optimism in my head that alright we might actually and looking back on it it was never going to happen but I think we were all hoping and praying that alright we'll be in the championship next season and that'll be that'll be that but um, yeah it was it was frustrating because we, we I remember we were playing Dumbarton on the Saturday and the boy came out and said uh, the game's off we're suspended for two weeks and then it was just this feeling that it won't be two weeks will it and then it just dragged on it was another two weeks and you're out running in the park and it was just uh, it, was, it was terrible to be honest but um, yeah funny to look back on though. funny to look back on yeah you've got to try and take some positives out of it, it? I mean, we, <laughs> yeah. for us as a podcast 
It sounds horrible. I've said it loads of times. The best thing that happened was a yeah. global pandemic because people were sat in the house, we know what to do, and we'd take two hours of their time. And uh, mm-hmm. we were across the world. It was brilliant. So uh, in that sense, it was really good, but it was so frustrating not going to watch your team on a Saturday. And then Paul at the time, I mean, Paul, you you could tell the story, but when you used to live across the North End and when COVID was, there were players were coming back, you were seeing the players sneaking in in twos and threes and it was like, this is yeah. not football. Yeah, well, I, I was, when that started, like that, obviously you hadn't hadn't seen the team for ages, and I thought, well, bugger it. And I'm a bit of a football junkie, so I was standing on top of my shed, looking over the wall. Yeah, and, they were training uh, at North End Park. I don't know if you ever ended yeah, up one yeah, night. Right. So I used to stay right at the back of that, and it was Ross Stark. I seen him at the other side of the pitch, and he's pointing over, and I thought, oh, there's Ross. So I'm trying to give him a wave, but he's obviously thinking, what's this guy? <laughs> uh, and then he came over. He came over of the wall, and he and he does. He knows who I am, and <laughs> he was like. Uh, Paul, what are you doing? I was like, just, just watching the train. And he's like, you can't, you can't do that. I was like, I could do what I want, Ross. This is my garden. If I'm standing on my shed, nobody's telling me that I can't stand on my shed. But uh, I have uh, uh, a wee bit of respect. <laughs> I thought, right, okay, pick your battles here, Paul. Pick your battles. So, I defended you, Eddie. I defended you against Ross. Oh, of course, I've got no doubt about that, Charlie. But I just thought he's asked politely, and like they were. That was at the very start of it, though, where like Ross was saying, look, if there's going to be assessors coming out, and if there's too many people kicking about and people watching, then we're, they're just going to shut. We're doing again, and I thought I don't want to be on the front of the daily. Right? I was Boy, desperate for it to happen. Yeah, we're on a Dode Fox podcast T-shirt. I was desperate. Desperate. Look at this arsehole standing on his shed, ruining it for the hill country. Waving his flag. I didn't need that. Yeah. I didn't need that on my conscience. Um, so I, I but we, but I was seeing that, like you know, you were seeing like the t- players coming in in their own car, already stripped in groups of six, and you're thinking, "Whoa, oh, it's monotonous going to your work just now. It must be terrible for a footballer mm. trying to do a tiny bit of training. You kind of go near them. You're just passing a ball, and it just." Well, desperate for at least we're, you know, we seem to be on the home stretch as such. Um, before we get to our quickfire questions, that since Sean Dillon's been on, there no quickfire. Um, obviously, we've no mentioned it, but the fee United had to pay, right? It's nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. Did it put any extra pressure on you, given it was an amount? Uh, it didn't take this the wrong way, but it sounded mm-hmm. like a ridiculous amount of money to be paying for a young boy who's played once for Rangers, and you were thinking. Mm-hmm. It just seems like pressure on on you to perform, or did you just get on me? I don't. I don't think it had any pressure. Um, at the th- I think when I signed, I don't know if I was just um, unaware of the situation behind it. I thought that I remember the club and Stephen Thompson and the gaffer at the time saying, "Like it's fine. Like we've signed. We'll, we'll work itself out. We'll, we'll go and." And I, th- I think the club probably didn't, as it's been said, and I'm sure everyone's got an opinion or people have got an opinion on it, that it was a lot of money and I think the club didn't expect it to be that at all. Um, and I just tried to distance myself from it. I didn't, it was what it was. And looking back, people will say, oh, geez, that was probably far too much money and a waste of money. But it was just at the time, I don't think anyone was aware of what, what it was going to be um, and what they were going to have to pay so when it eventually came out of that figure I thought goodness gracious but it didn't put any pressure on me it was just 
I think I just took it my stride. Yeah. No, so, listen, I, I was trying not to sound like an arsehole when I asked that question. No, that's all. That's all. them. Right, let's get to our quick fire questions. So, some of them you'll have been asked a million times, some of them maybe not. Um, we'll start with a nice easy one. What's your pre match meal? Pre match meal on a Friday night, it would be pesto pasta. And at the moment, it's salmon, salmon pesto pasta. And then on a, and the morning of the game, it'd probably be, uh, I try and keep it quite plain. So either rice with salmon with a sweet chilli sauce or pasta with salmon. So uh, but I've been I've been mixing up the last few days. I've been going for porridge in the last few games, porridge. But yeah, usually pasta and rice or um, salmon. Any steak and chips? No, that's... that's uh, No, yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. No, never. I'm not a big steak man, personally, <laughs> but uh, I've, I've started having a steak on a Thursday night. I'd, I read somewhere that... I should be having that so yeah steak it up Thursday but next next question who had the best hair Stuart Armstrong or Scott Fraser oh, <laughs> Scott Fraser was wild he had lots of it and he <laughs> at the time when he was <laughs> when he was at Dundee United he had the hair band and he was trying to grow it long but uh, I have to stick I have to stick with my boy it would have to be Stuart for sure definitely definitely yeah. I think I agree as a bald man, I would hate. I agree. <laughs> uh, what's the last film you watched? Last film I watched. Uh, what was it? Oh goodness gracious! Oh, can it be seven? Oh. Seven, and it was a very good, good film. It was very good, actually. Yeah, good um, film. Yeah, it was seven. It was either that or in Bruges, but I think it. I think it was seven. I watched uh, Moneyball last night. See Moneyball. Brad, 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 yeah. Oh, what a film that is. Brilliant film. The first time? No, it's about the second or third time, but I just, you know, you're just, everyone scans Netflix, can't find anything. You just think, oh, I've been here half an hour. I'll just play yeah. that. And that's what I put on. It was half <laughs> Who was more skillful, Darko Badul or Nick van der Velden? Oh, wow. Oh, both were. Oh, goodness. I'm going to say. I'm going to say Darko. Some of the stuff that guy used to do. I remember he ridiculed a goalkeeper. I think it was Louis Vecchi on the AstroTurf at St Andrews and did something that I didn't even think was possible. But yeah. <laughs> And he spoke about nine languages as well. So the guy was, he was uh, admired him from, he was incredible. Some people thought, Scott Fraser struggled to speak Scottish and English. Nine languages. Um, what's one box set people have to watch? One box set. Uh, I liked The Wire. I watched The Wire and I thought it was tremendous, to be honest. It was uh, it's quite intense, but I, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed that. What's yours, Paul? Dawson's Creek. We'll move on. See? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going Californication. Nah, young. I was going to say Californication, but I thought... Superb. I'll maybe watch myself. Superb. <laughs> Listen... We, 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 we don't have that, but that's, that's a superb series. <laughs> right, you're on a flight to Australia and you have to sit next to one of Bilal Moshni, Nadir Sifsi or Gavin Gunning. Who are you choosing? <laughs> and why? <laughs> you're, you're thinking of no getting on that plane, are you? I need to go. <laughs> oh, you've, you're in. You're there. You, 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 you're in the jungle and I'm a celebrity, so you hate to go. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you can't turn that down, can I? Uh, I'll rule out Moshney, uh, although, <laughs> yeah, I'll rule out, he was crazy. Uh, I'll go for, I'll go for Gav, I'll go for Gavin Gunny. That's, oh, that's, 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 that wouldn't be a boring flight anyway. No, I know, I'm sure we'd have a great time. I, could, I could fly this plane. I can fly this plane. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm the best pilot ever. I'm the best pilot ever. Easy. <laughs> Who's got the best law degree result? You're Stuart Armstrong. That would be me. Uh-huh. And I'm delighted that I can say that. <laughs> uh, just on a on a side note, because we, we never really picked up on it when you mentioned it, but what was it like studying alongside that? Were you just trying to fill your day because you didn't have enough, you had loads of spare time as a professional footballer? Well, my, yeah, my partner does law so she's a qualified lawyer so she she did it and Stuart was doing it when I was living with him at the time and uh, the way he was he just I thought sure Armstrong's doing it then maybe I should and as I said I was good at school and I liked school and I enjoyed it so it was I signed up for it eager keen and then by the end of it I hated every second of it it was horrendous (laughs) terrible but um, (laughs) lockdown was actually probably probably a bit of a blessing to be honest because that's I managed to finish it that year and in the last six months I was able to do it but yeah uh, it was I'm glad I've done it now but it was a bit of a slog towards How long did it take you? It took me five years and I eventually you can kind of do it quicker if you do more credits per year so it's usually 60 credits over six years but I think for the last two years I did 90 Um, so a bit of help from Eliza in the flat she was she was she was a good help. Is that is that kind of where you see your career going after football? Or probably not. To be honest, um, I, will I use it? Perhaps I don't know. I'm not because you need to you need to go and qualify and do two years traineeship okay. and do a diploma and stuff. But maybe maybe I think watching uh, my partner's hours um, it's maybe not for me. And all maybe you have to do is kick a ball a bit of football pitch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <that's hard. laughs> uh, your favourite game that you played in at United it would, yeah the 6-2 is that's obviously the one uh, I look back on that one fondly but I enjoyed I enjoy, we played um, I enjoyed playing up at Pedodri we played up there and I think we won and Barry Robson elbowed me um, and I enjoyed I enjoyed going up I enjoyed going uh, up to Pedodri and playing against them there Barry Robson elbows everybody I did and so. he told me he didn't and I think who would be in your Dundee United five aside team? Oh, Dundee United five. And aside. you need a goalie. I go. I need a goalie. You need a goalie. <sighs> no, any money. Um, no, you need a goalie. I'll put Rado in. Okay. It's tossed up. Uh, Rado and goals. It's five aside, so the boss shouldn't have got crossed, and he should be all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could say that. Yeah, you can do that. I will put uh, Dylan will kill me if I don't put him in, but I'm definitely not putting him in. I'll put in, uh, I'll put in Big Cal Morris at the back. Okay. And, uh, I always thought he was, I was good. He struggled with injuries, but I thought he was, thought he was excellent whenever I played yeah. with him. So that's Rado and Morris in. Rado and Morris, and that'll do for the defenders. We'll just go yeah, attacking. Fine. I'll, uh, I put Stu in. I'd put. Tony Andrew and I thought he was I'd touched on a wee bit earlier I thought he was magnificent now uh, before you pick the last one are you playing yourself? 
course. I'm up yeah. There we go. False nine. False nine. <laughs> double no, six. I'll play there. I'll play there. Whatever you want. Decent team. Carl Morris, Rado, Stu. Uh, who else did you put in? Yourself and... It was just Tony, like a Tony Andrew, big beautiful Tony Andrew. How could I forget? Yeah, uh, good yeah. team, good team. We'll take that. Yeah, it's a decent side. team. Good side, yeah. Hopefully we do. Uh, oh, you definitely win the tenants fives. Like maybe you'd hit, get somebody else in your tenants sixes. Big team, Nadir will be there. Big Nadir. But he's got. Nadir would be there. Yeah, he's Nadir. also got a touch of the bar. Now, apart from Gavin Gunning, who is the best player you have played alongside? Apart from Gavin Gunning. Yes. The best player. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be a United. It could be any team. Let me think. Best player. Uh, it would probably have to be Stu. Yeah. Definitely. Good player. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, really yeah, good player. Uh, Shite law result, but good player. Oh, terrible, <laughs> terrible lot of result. I think his, I think his last exam was after the England game, so we can excuse him. But he definitely beat me. If your best player you played alongside, to toughest opponent, toughest opponent. Um, I played against Scott Brown a couple of times. I thought he was he was just he was just more. It was his speech play on the park as well, which which I never witnessed before. He was brilliant as a player, but. I remember that that week, you know, the four weeks where we played Celtic four times, there were three or four nil up and he was just demanding that we they keep the ball and he was demanding that they embarrass us. And I thought, oh, you're <laughs> you're an animal. Like what? Like what is what even is how's that come to his head that he just let's embarrass this lot? So yeah, I'd probably have to say him. He was he was tough, a tough player and you knew you were you were gonna be but yeah, played against Van Dyke as well, but not directly. So obviously, looking at that, you think he's probably the best. But yeah, I would say toughest was probably Scott Brown. I would say. Okay. Okay. Was there any good fancy dress like uh, Harry from Home Alone in Dublin? Oh, or like that? oh yes. <laughs> That's my. <laughs> I wish I had a photo of that. That's my proudest fancy dress, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that was the swim cap in the the, the newspaper to colour my face. Yeah, that was top drawer. I was the best dressed that weekend. <laughs> what other uh, characters were on that, or what other what other fancy dress were we getting that weekend? Cole Donison went as um, Marv, and I think he I think he wore like just a big jacket, and it was the worst effort I've ever seen in my life. I think he had a pair of like Nike trackies on, and it was the worst effort I've ever seen. To be honest, that was it was disgraceful. There was a few I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, fancy the first year we went away, it was um, it was just Christmas jumpers on a Sunday, and then the second year it was cancelled, and we had to go out in Glasgow and Edinburgh. But that second year, I think can't really think to be honest. Dillo probably had something that had his top off that he could show us. Shock. To be honest. <laughs> Shock. Shock. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, when I said to you earlier about when you speak to Paul Dixon and you ask mm-hmm. him about Gav Gunnan, you ask him about Gav Gunnan's fancy dress. Okay. Okay, I'll do. I'll do. That's all you need to do. Um, <laughs> you just I'm ask. excited for that. I'm excited yes. for that. I'll ask him tomorrow. We have come to uh, the last question for you, Charlie. And again, thanks very much for your time. You've been great. But how would you sum up your time at Dundee United? 
No, I loved every, I loved every second of it. To be honest, minus the the bad, the, the difficult moments. It was the club as a whole, the fans, the stadium, the training ground, the players I played with. It was it was an amazing time. And as I said, whenever I go drive through Dundee and drive down the Perth Road or just pass through, it, it's got nothing nothing but fond memories of the club and the city. So it's uh, it's a club that I always look out for, and it's nothing but. Nothing but positive stuff, to be honest. It's it helped me in my career. It gave me a step to play first team football, and I'll forever be, forever be, um, be a part of me. And I'll always the team that I'll support from afar, and um, always keep a keen interest, to be honest. So, um, nah, nothing but nothing but fond memories, to be honest. Uh, amazing club. Charlie Telfer there, the scorer of number six, and also a man that is smarter, allegedly and legally, than Stuart Armstrong. So uh, it was uh, it was great speaking to him. I say that after we speak to everybody, but really, he was came across as one of the nicest people as well. Uh, so we thank you very much for that. It was uh, it was brand new, and it was also a big thanks to Steve Leahy for helping with acquire Charlie Telfer, even though he's slow at answering his his messages, and uh, Paul Dixon as well. He helped with we being a current teammate. So thank you very much to they too. I wonder if the fact he's never got back in touch with us is because he's heard the Gav Gunnan stories and thought. What is going on there? I can. Uh, he might never get back in touch with us. <laughs> what a man. What a man. Oh, great to speak to Charlie. And we do appreciate him giving up some time to speak to her this week. Uh, right, on this day, association with the Arab Archive, preserving the history of Dundee United Football Club since 2006. 28th of March is our focus today. One game, one signing, three birthdays. Today's match from 1988. And it was a Scottish Cup quarter-final second replay versus the Wii team up the road. Uh, this long, drawn-out saga finally came to a conclusion with another Dens Park triumph. Dundee had the advantage of a biting wind and slope in the first half, but in 26 minutes came the opening goal, fashioned by a touch of genius by Kevin Gallagher. He picked the ball in midfield. He's burst in, uh, into the box, left two defenders in his wake before sending a low cross Across uh, for Joe McLeod, who somehow managed to squeeze home at the far post. In the second half, McLeod's uh, persistence in the box was rewarded. He retained possession before being upended. Ian Redford slammed apparently high into the net after 75 minutes. Ian Redford then sent Kevin Gallagher away. His shot struck the post as we began to run riot. Ten minutes from time, Ian Ferguson clicked the ball before twisting and hammering in a glorious third goal Tension exploded in the final minute after Stuart Rafferty was ordered off for aiming a kick at Kevin Gallagher, but the tie well and truly over by then. It finished Dundee nil, Dundee United 3. I was at that game, Rondo. Kevin Gallagher was brilliant that night and the Stuart Rafferty incident was right in front of me because I used to stand at the bit side where the players come out and uh, I, he, he just kicked him in the face or he aimed a kick at uh, his face. The thing is, I can understand why, because he was getting ripped a new in our night for Gallagher. He maybe should have done it in about the third minute. And then they might not have got their arses felt at him again. But Kevin Gallagher that night was tremendous. Mm. Unplayable. Yeah, very good uh, podcast pal as well. Yes. Gallagher. Slept in a track, eh? <laughs> Couldn't put the Ian on. Couldn't have got a mortgage because he's on that low money. Today's uh, <laughs> signing put pen to paper on his 16th birthday. He went on to make 158 appearances, scoring 46 goals for United. On this day, 2005, David Goodwillie signed for United. And our birthday's today, the aforementioned David Goodwillie, is 33 today. Next up, a Mixu signing who could feature in Paul's games or goals with three goals and 13 appearances for United. Keen to get your opinion on Paul. 
Happy 36th birthday today to Edward the Ferry. I'm not really sure what to make of him. Like, I don't. I don't think he was the worst player that we've ever seen. I would hate him over a Craig Kern. But but I'd hate you or a Craig Kern Rondo. I'd hate a current uh, over Craig Kern. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite quite possibly. Uh, I just think that he came in a really really piss poor side. Just uh, just wasn't a B, was it? Wasn't a B. Final birthday event. He made twenty appearances after Ray McKinnon signed him. Frank van der Stroik is thirty seven today. Mm-hmm. Yep, he gave away a penalty in the in the Dunfermline game. We spoke about that. We. We Charlie and we spoke to him. Uh, yeah, so uh, he came in. What was he here for a year or something? Aye, here for a year. Yeah, I mean, he was all right. I he mean, was all right. He was no great shakes. What gets me when sometimes we do this? They two are younger than me. Yes, yeah, and uh, Abdi is younger than me. True. Yes, but but hey ho, dinosaurs are younger than you. But it's, me- it's mental, like. I say every week I'm like, ah, oh, so and so's birthday, and then I keep I keep needing to think to and pinch myself and go, I'm older than them. Yeah. Like that doesn't say but, much about me at all. No, but it's it's your mindset, Rondo. I used to do this when I was in my late thirties as well. I still I used to still think there's still a chance. Like if if the right person sees me just chipping up an old coat can on the street and kicking it into a bin, if the right person's driving past at the right time, I might get the nod. I might get a shout for United, and you are still thinking that you're a young man, and it's and it's gone. But your potential career's done, Rondo. I'm here to tell you. I'm not thinking that. I'm I'm a bar here for forty. Well, you, there's, so there's still a chance, okay? There's still <laughs> there's still a chance. When I, when I turn up and strut my stuff at that walking football one morning, Oof, can't wait. The only place I'll be getting called up is the A and E. <laughs> That's the next patient, <laughs> Ronald Costello. <laughs> yes, indeed. But um, just on that, if Steve is still listening after we've called him a dodgy keeper, but hey, United keepers and dodgy hand in hand sometimes. No, currently, just say that. Uh, <laughs> it's um, yeah. I said to Steve, he obviously we, we'd said, oh, we'd, we were going to go along, but we've been invited, but it's over fifties. But we are, we are trying to sort something out to go along and. And just see how shite we really are and have a bit of a laugh with it. So we will keep you updated on that if and when it does happen. Uh, but yeah, that's it. The Tangerine Army heads to the capital to take on the Spoonburners this weekend. How do you think we'll get on? We're at Dode Fox Podcast on social media. Grab some merch at dodefoxpodcast.com. And fingers crossed, tickets go on sale for a live show which is happening Saturday 28th of May at the Gardine Theatre and you pinch myself when I've said that because when I stood on there on that stage I thought what the hell have we done have a great week do stay safe don't forget to wash your hands and your arsehole <laughs>